God damn it. Now I do have to use it. Sentimental uh-huh. reason. Now, I gotta, now I'm going to have to try it because uh-huh. Sylvia wants me to try it. So um, I will <laughs> I'll say, give it a whirl. I don't know, like your, your hair is thicker and more luxurious in your beard than mine, but I will say that, um, which is gracias. I get, I get wild hairs. Denial. I get, I get guys going rogue. Usually the red and mm. silver ones. Are the I'm a free spirit. Mm-hmm. I just want to dance. I don't belong here. Yeah, that's what <laughs> mine does. Yeah, <laughs> like screw you guys. I'm going home, kind uh-huh. of shit. Mm-hmm. And I love beard oil or beard balm because it conditions it to just kind of go crazy straight guys. Down. That's yeah. what mine does too. Because yeah. mine'll yeah. if I wake up in the morning, like there's hairs going up here, and the mustache is up my nose. Yep. And I just like shower, clean everything off, and then a little bit of beard oil, comb it, and then yep. everything's looking good. Yep. I just use a little. I got a little like wood comb. Yep. So if my yep. if my shit's going crazy, yep. I, I just got to drag it through, and it yep. usually lays down pretty yep. flat. I actually, make these irons that are like a hair dryer sure. for beards yeah. that straighten the hair as you comb it. Hmm. Thing is, like it's a miracle. Like, would it be Probably like a, for like a like longer open faced like flat iron? Kind of, but okay. it's got combs on it, and sure. I don't know how hot it gets because oh, these guys are putting yeah, it on yeah, their yeah. face. Okay, I've seen and that. It plugs in, and they just comb, and these guys Probably are just suddenly are straight. So whatever wave was in there, it's now just straight down. Okay. Fascinating. Like yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty decent idea, actually. Yeah, it's kind of cool. People, that's why people use that product a lot of times because it's just a little unkempt and wild and Let's they want it cool. to flatten down. Was this made with Johnny Walker Red? Oh, yeah. I love Johnny Walker Red. Oh, yeah. Can I taste it? The finest. For sure. Yeah. We can do bumps, too, but I figured. Oh, know, that's delightful. Just drink. Let's just drink, man. It's almost got like a little bit of saltiness to it. That's the oyster shells I put in there. I think that, yeah, just from the coconut, because mm-hmm. it's nutty, I think yep. like that's where your mind goes. You but there is some getting... sort of, like, there's probably some sodium content like some in, in, in coconut. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's probably why I like it so much, because uh-huh. it's the smoke from the scotch and then the nuttiness from the coconut. And they just, it's weird how beautifully they play together. This is a 50-50. Mm-hmm. Like, I measured straight 50-50. That's spectacular. And then you just put it over ice, get it nice and chilled. It tastes fucking awesome. I'm literally the guy that if somebody walks out with a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue, like it's some big treat, I go, um, excuse me, do you happen to also have the red? And yeah, their faces, and their faces <laughs> drop. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's better. Everyone's got every bottle in Lebanon. And yeah. then they'll, if it's like someone who's trying to treat you or like show you a good time because they're great hosts there, they point at the plethora on their like bar top or their their cabinet or their fireplace mantle and they say which do you which would you like pick anyone you know like being yep gracious just give me some red and they're Uh like no no you don't have to do that and i'm like i I actually want the red i'm not gonna say red's my favorite but i like red more than black and i like red enough that i'm not gonna take your bottle of blue nope i'm not gonna be like i'm not gonna fold my legs and sit there at the end of your couch looking like the fucking prime minister and then drink your fancy, f- f- your liquid, you know, you get a bottle of that. Yes. I guarantee that my, my friends in Lebanon and family in Lebanon, they get a bottle of blue a decade because no one says yes to the blue. So I'm not going to be the, you know, the, the, the American come home and be like, give me the blue. I crushed that whole bottle. But it's not that much. It's not five times better than red. It's not. Six it's times not. better than red based nope. on the cost. Nope. Red's good. And I like red more than black. And I they don't too. believe me when I say that either. I do too. <laughs> I, uh. I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I do love uh, one of my treats every now and then I'll buy a bottle of gold and I put it in the freezer mm. and a little pour of that when it gets real syrupy. Yeah. 
A uh, little pour of that and dark chocolate is Ooh. fucking heavenly. Never had the gold. And all I can think of now is how much I would want that with a cigar sure. as well and just do nice. all three sitting I, outside. I have had the, uh, what is it, the Game of Thrones edition? I don't know what blend that is. If it's just like black or red. I don't know what it is. But I have had that. Did you guys yeah, have that? Did. The Johnny Walker? Yep. That was the, the, the White Walker White version. White Walker version, yeah. Which you're oh, supposed just, to. If just you finish my bottle. Yeah. yeah, and if you did, you throw it in the freezer because supposedly the cold brings out different drawings on the bottle. Oh no, I did not. I just took it to the dome. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> a guy at I think South Lindale just told me that. So all good. Uh, bought me a bottle of that for my birthday, not last year, but the year before, and it sat like way up on a cabinet in my kitchen for a while, and I forgot about it. And one night, me and Nate were here drinking, we had a lot to drink, smoked a bunch of cigars. He went home, and then I just started dipping into the bottle. And the next thing I knew, and because you can't tell how much is in it by looking at it, the next thing I knew, that thing was almost empty. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I texted Nate, and I'm like, I almost drank a whole bottle of scotch after you left. What the fuck am I doing? And then I didn't touch it again until I started making whiskey cocos. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that's the only, because I have other scotch, but I have nice scotch. So I was like, that's the only scotch that I can just pour into some coconut water and then just go to town. So that was pretty fucking nice. I brought the, the Gamla Dansk. The old school Akavi. This is like what my grandparents would have used to celebrate if they had had a good year. We can dance if you want to. We can leave your ven behind. You can really dance. <laughs> what was the kind that was like waxy on the table? Um, that was the Vicar, but it turns out that no, it wasn't no, Vicar. It was the um, Gamelode or what was the Aquavit we had with the one that Adam Gorski brought? Right, it was the Ida Graves. Ida Graves. Right, okay, it. but it was, I think there's just something with the veneer on that fucking table. Yeah, okay. it's every, done a ton of Every shit. alcohol, we, now it looks like a Rorschach Oh, it does it with everything? Yeah. Oh, it's just reacting it was, with so, finish. So I okay. was confused. It did kind of beat up a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think that must be like agar agar or something to, mm-hmm. to add the, the mouthfeel okay. that maybe they didn't uh, arrive at naturally. I have no idea. I can't really speak to that, but it was delicious. It smells great, tastes great. And shout out to our friends at Ida Graves. Uh, would really, really love to to have them on. Yeah, they've expressed an interest. Yeah, so they make incredibly good shit. Every every one of their amaros that I've had, their bitter liqueurs. Like, where are they based out? Ooh. of? Alexandria, I think. Are they really? Yeah. And that's what they were telling me when they were DMing the account is that they have this amaro coming out soon. And I know that uh, Chef Kraft had a bottle. Mm. I don't know if it's a test bottle or what. And he said it was great. And that dude knows his Amaros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he says that uh, Minnesota made Amaro is up to snuff, then it most certainly is. So I can't wait for that to come out. It was a delightful day when everybody else had left and it was just me and him at the bar. And he decided to pull out some fun Amaros. I was like, oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Can you tell that my tail is wagging, sir? <laughs> yeah. When I dine there, I love to just say like, my what, uh, is wagging. What, what do you recommend? Because he's got a lot of weird stuff under the bar, too. And mm. I'm like, or I'll tell the, the waiter or waitress, hey, could you go ask chef what Amaro I should have after the meal that I just had. And then they'll come out and say, here, try this. I, I love that because he's obsessive about it. And I like to geek out about stuff too. Mm. <laughs> I, was, I was at a meeting today and I got like palpably angry because I couldn't come up with David Foster's name when he was producing all of the Peter Cetera era of Chicago. And as I was saying it out loud, I was looking at everybody's eyes glaze over. And then I got to the name and I was very proud and no one else gave a shit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not always around nerds. I need to remember that. And and I will admit, that is my favorite era of Chicago. The Peter Cetera era? Yeah. Like, that's my favorite. That was all the slow dances of my era. Look away. Era. 
Oh, yeah. And then when he left, he did, you know, Glory of Love for Karate Kid 2. Don't sleep on After All, the duet with Cher. Oh, yes. I'll sing both parts of that, motherfucker. I own that album (laughs) on cassette. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Still in my basement. (laughs) Do you ever play it? Do you ever play play cassettes? I don't think I have a cassette player left. (laughs) That'd be fun. Got a boombox. Right? Click click in a cassette. I'd be game for that. Remember that? Absolutely. Uh, There's a... Schnooper. Schnooper. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember the the feud era of hip hop when like East Coast versus West oh, Coast, of course, I and then that kind of like ended in a bunch of deaths, and then it was people doing diss tracks to make fun mm-hmm. of each other's skills, and there was a huge fight going on between Can I Bus and LL Cool J, oh. and LL put out a six minute diss track called Jack the Ripper, which is still to this day I think the only time I've ever heard him swear multiple times. Like it's a it's a fucking banger of a song. But uh, there was there's a sort of a nerd rapper named MC Paul Barman, and mm. he put out a song shortly thereafter, and he was like, "I think Cannabis and Ella Cool J are both fantastic," and I feel that way about Chicago. Like yes. I can love old Chicago Transit sure. Authority yes. as a separate entity. Yes, I would be heartbroken if that was like my favorite band ever, and then they did that huge heel turn. But uh-huh. as somebody who just enjoys music in general, yeah. they're just two different like entities in my well, head. The first CD I ever bought was Chicago's Greatest Hits literally of all of that second era of Chicago. Yep. And I still, if I go through like on Spotify, a Chicago playlist and it doesn't have the songs in the order of the Chicago greatest hits album. I'm like, Nope, fuck this. And I go back to the playlist thing and I find the actual <laughs> one in my save list and I start it up and I go, that feels so much better. <laughs> I'm the nerd that uh, I'll go to a concert and then I'll remember the set list. And then I go home and I make a Spotify list of the songs oh, that I heard at the show in yeah. order. Yeah, it's fun. And what's the first song on there that has the instrumental section on the end that uh, gets canceled out on every... Yep. uh, I'll look it up here. Well, like the tempo kicks way up and it's got those huge horn stabs. Oh, it's great. It's the very first song on the greatest hits. Uh, Where is it here? Shout out to anybody that went to high school with me. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I had an extra CD wallet. Love me tomorrow. There you go. I had an extra CD wallet that I kept under my driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And like, if there was a lady in the car then <laughs> that, that had like the slow jams on it, mm-hmm. it was all like, oh yeah, Chicago mm-hmm. and um, uh, Boys to Men and Babyface, all that was in there. And then you know you had like the punk Casey rock and, and the JoJo. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll make Erica love Madu. to you. I had, an, uh, like you I had a, a girlfriend at the time when and Casey and JoJo came out, and the first time I played her all my life, she just started bawling. And she I was it like, that "What?" Kind of song. And she's like, "I don't think you love me that much to write a song like that." And I was like, "Yeah, here, but let's Ooh. change the subject." Oh, like, <laughs> Boys to Men, the band that sounded great on CD and freaking terrible in person. Now they've switched it around. Now, now they're, they're a little better. They're pros. It's disgusting. I saw them uh, a few years ago, and they were they did the full Motown thing, and yeah. then they did all their hits. Yeah, and it was staggering. Much better. I know. It's they're all about the three members, though, right? Yeah, because Michael McCreary had he used to. <laughs> it's so sad. He he had a cane because they thought it looked really cool, mm-hmm. and then he actually developed a degenerative spine condition, and now he really can't oh, walk. Man. Oh no! So he had to he had to quit because he just couldn't do the shows, mm-hmm. 
And then there was, of course, a huge falling out over money and like what is right. it deserved. And sure. They've patched and made up now. But yeah, he uh, if they do anything, he has to be sitting or he can stand for, I think it's two or three minutes and then has to sit again. Shoot. Yeah. There, my one of my favorite music critics is this dude Rob Harvilla, and he's he has a theory that if you take any song from the '90s and you just put at the beginning Michael McCreary explaining what's going <laughs> to happen in the song, it makes the song better. Yeah, like Radiohead creep. Hey girl, I know I've been a creep, but I really love you. Yeah, instantly better for sure. <laughs> Wumba. Yeah, we get knocked down. But we get up again, girl. <laughs> That's a banger. <laughs> that is perfect. Oh man, what are we? What are we rolling? We're rolling. Yeah, we we're rolling. rolling. This is uh, impromptu libations for everyone. Woo-hoo. Uh, me and Charles sitting in the garage de awad. What is this? Does this garage de l- <laughs> This is uh, this is this, this my cigar palace. We had a will. guest. A pair of guests, in fact, that had to reschedule. So we decided, you know what? We got another 80-degree day here, mm-hmm. almost to October in the state of Minnesota, in this beautiful city I call home of Minneapolis. So why don't we just go smoke cigars in the garage and invite our favorite cigar-loving friend? And before I let him introduce himself, or reintroduce himself, dun, dun, dun. I do want to say... Um, with the rescheduling of our, our guests that we had, that we're, we're going to have them on the show soon. Just a reminder, uh, everyone's going through it right now, especially the service industry, especially retail. So make sure that if you're going to go out, you're prepared to be kind and to be patient. Uh, they're still, everybody's working as hard as they can. Everyone is trying to serve everyone. And uh, if there was a balance right now, it is completely unfair to uh, our friends and loved ones in that industry. So just just a reminder out there, Tell your other friends, tell people that have never worked in the industry, whatever. Just remember to be kind and be patient in general, but even more so when you're anywhere with retail, with delivery, or with the service industry. I don't know if it was food and wine or Bon Appetit. Someone just put out this, like, the new rules of dining post-pandemic. And I had probably five or six different chef friends DM me because I posted each page on Instagram. I had five or six chef friends DM me and say, why isn't this the way that it has always yep. been. And I was like, you're absolutely correct, but it doesn't mean that people shouldn't have the, this reminder to abide by these guidelines. They're not fucking rules, but they're guidelines. And that's, that was the last one. Yeah. Hey, how about you be nice to people? Yeah. You know, and it's like throwing out, one. Don't there should be have been dick. an X-nay. Yeah. They should have put a slide on there that X-nay, the customer's always right rule because that has long been defunct. Like that's the, the nature of that, that, saying was not that you could be a total piece of shit and that people would still have to take it lying down. That was never the spirit of that saying. That's what it became, though. Yeah, absolutely. More and more every passing year, it seems. Customers almost never write. Well, the show is called Libations for Everyone, and two of us have introduced ourselves. But uh, a third third wonderful human is at our table, so uh, they've heard the dulcet tones of your beautiful baritone voice. But please reintroduce yourself to our wonderful crowd. I am Nate Beck. These are my good buddies, Ben Quam and Charles Awad. I love them very much. Holler! Was very excited to get the text to come and smoke with them, because I'm always down for that. Uh, many of you may know me from Nate Dog's days. I used to operate a pretty cool orange and white hot dog cart here in the Twin Cities, and now I work for an equally cool company called Bovida. We make the premier two-way humidification for cigars, cannabis, musical instruments, 
and a whole other plethora of uh, items. And it's a pretty cool industry to work in. I get to smoke shit tons of cigars. I work in the premium cigar side of the business, so I get to go to cigar shows, cigar festivals. It's pretty great. Before we get to our questions, one off the dome. Is it just the shape? Because you pivoted from hot dogs to cigars. And I feel like uh, it, it, it could be. It could be like, hey, I don't one know. One tube to another. <laughs> exactly. uh-huh. Like, look out, Popsicle World. Uh-huh. He might be coming for you next. But I think the cool <laughs> connection is that I've been into cigars since I was 18. So that's almost 30 years. I'm 47. In four months, I'll be 48. Had my first premium cigar when I was a senior in high school and have loved them ever since. And would smoke them periodically throughout those years. And then with the hot dog cart, I started working at cigar shops. And Charles and I started having cigars together. And we actually started a coffee and cigars group with mostly service people. And we'd meet, what was it, Tuesday mornings, Charles? It wasn't always the same weekday, but we, we tried in to the do morning. a coffee and cigar morning yeah. like once a week, once every couple of weeks. And we'd get coffee here in Northeast and go down to the docks below the sample room right on the river, and we'd have cigars and great conversation. And that blossomed into more cigars and more conversation. And and along with Charles, you have been a very patient Jedi to my cigar Padawan. I love teaching and, about uh, cigars. It's, it's, been a, it's been a fantastic journey thus far. It's one of my favorite things. It's anything that's an artisan, handcrafted premium product i love going deep down the rabbit hole and i like then teaching people who are also then interested about said product so if someone has an interest in cigars my brain just starts firing oh wait what kind of foods do you like what kind of beverages do you like that can help pair into cigars and get them a first experience that will be largely probably enjoyable as opposed to just going in grabbing a cigar off the shelf you smoke it and this sucks or they get sick yep or they don't have a good experience. If you can do, a fir- especially with cigars, because they can if you smoke them too quickly or you get a really strong cigar and you're a newbie, it can be a pretty uncomfortable experience. It's almost worse than a hangover for a couple of hours. But if you can make that experience really fun, now you've got something that sparks, I think, better conversations than alcohol ever does. That's legit. And uh, going back to your profession, I do want to point this out uh, to all of our, our listeners out there who are parents of school age children, as the schools are introducing music programs to you as uh, one of those kids who played saxophone from fourth to seventh grade. Uh, the idea of keeping those reeds moist so you're not just flushing money down the toilet with old reeds that just smell like the spit from the kids that have just been sucking on it all day long. It's such an incredible thing. And I had never thought about that until you brought it up. Yep. Like, I would, I would give anything to go back in time and be able to give myself <laughs> some of those. It, it gets used for that all the time. My daughter has boveda packs inside her violin case that keep her violin at an even humidity, so it needs to be tuned far less or it holds a tune much, much better. Yeah, it's a pretty cool product. That's so awesome. I love it. Uh, Charles, you, uh, you have talked about said beverage that we have in front of us on the pod before. But for those of you that maybe didn't hear the episode or we need a reminder, what are we libating? This was my beverage of the summer, 2021. Beer, beer, beer. This is a whiskey cocoa, which is very popular in Puerto Rico. Beverage of the summer. It's a 50-50. You can keep the beat going if you want. It's a 50-50 blend of Johnny Walker, in this case Johnny Walker, Red Label, and uh, coconut water. 
<laughs> and it is spectacular. It's delicious. I'll let you guys describe it. I already described it on the show. What do you think, Quam? Well, I feel like I got to give you your due because I was about to step on your touchdown call there. A little bit savory? Yeah. You have the smoky scotch, especially if you use a scotch that's got a little more body to it, a little more smokiness. We are using Johnny Walker Red, which is delicious. The coconut actually, I think, brings a little bit of a savory note to cocktails, which mm-hmm. Charles and I, do you like savory notes in cocktails? I adore them. Love them. Because so much stuff is sweet. Uh, we yeah, had a bottle of wine last night. And I gave my wife a little bit of a uh, little bit of the berries about it because she wasn't aware of Stella Rosa. Are you guys aware of <laughs> Stella <old>. Rosa? <laughs> it's on every freaking billboard in every state. I was like, oh, honey, Stella Rosa. That's an interesting choice. And she didn't know. She had no idea. And it's like had rated 90 points by the Beverage Tasting Institute. Everything looked legit. And I'm like, sure. you know what? I haven't had it. I shouldn't speak you know, ill of something I've never tried. We'll give it a shot. And we cracked that bottle. And it was as if somebody took raspberry Kool-Aid, paired it with a little sparkling water, and just a tiny splash of red wine. I'll, mm. give, them, I'll give them credit because they mm. do mm. A, uh, a raised crown symbol on every bottle. And if you take the bottle and you uh, soak it under hot water and get the label off, it's actually a really cool bottle to pour from because it makes it look like it was a very fancy bottle mm. in a previous life. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I call it sangria-only wine. Yeah, totally. If I want to throw a bunch of fruit sure. and some spirits in there. So that being one end of the spectrum, sweet beverage, which a lot of Americans love, this is right up my alley. Having a more savory note, it's, it's delicious for something so simple. Sure. Yeah, above-ground pool wine. Yes, above ground pool okay. wine. Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> I just thought of that. Instead of the Kool-Aid man coming through the wall, it's just like it's a 48-year-old divorcee named, <laughs> named kind Dab. Of you see some lady on TikTok wanting to empty, and she's too lazy to like empty it out the normal way, so she just grabs a razor blade and slices it, yep. and she literally gets washed three houses down. Whoosh. <laughs> Yeah, if you hear squeaking out of your window in the middle of summer and someone yelling, God damn it, they're, they're drinking that wine. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Stella Rosa. Not just for breakfast. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Shout out to my wife. It made for a, a hilarious dinner. Yeah. yeah. We each took one sip and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. She's like, what? I'm like, you just taste it. So we, we crushed it. Don't get me wrong. We drank it. Yeah. What did Kim think when she drank it? Same, same exact same. Okay. response. She's like, it tastes like soda pop. I mean, it's very, very sweet. And then we took off our glasses because we both need bifocals now. And the print is comically tiny. Mm-hmm. And it says, serve well chilled. Well, that would mute some of the sweetness. And it did say slightly sparkling. And it did mention, you know... Hints of raspberry, strawberry, and I'm like, oh, it's more than hints. It's a whole freaking basket of raspberries in there. <laughs> the type gets smaller and smaller. It's like, we mean cold. We mean really cold. What? Try 20 minutes in the freezer. Have you heard of a rosé slushy? <laughs> what did the Kool-Aid man say? <laughs> All right. Something like that, and he'd burst through the wall. Yeah, yeah that's... The catchphrase for this is, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to go to the store again, so fine. Okay. It'll get you drunk. <laughs> So I, I saw another TikTok where, you know, Southern ladies are known for saying, oh, bless your heart. And this comic was on stage. And all they start with is this guy. He asks this guy's name and he says, Michael, oh, my gosh, I love that for you. <laughs> and he says, you may not know this, but Southern women say, bless your heart. 
just want you to know that I love that for you is the gay version of that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we drank that one, and I went, oh, I love that for you. <laughs> I, was going with the, uh, I was going with the John Mulaney. I love that you can just wear anything and not care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a dig. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. I don't think that was a compliment. <laughs> exactly. But it Thanks. sounds nice. Uh, well, get, you'll get that on the walk home. Yeah. You'll get that on the walk home. Dare we jump into this? Yeah. Uh, let's do it. All right. Now, it is unseasonably warm, as well, we've like a, established. Let's, that, let's at least honor the rules here and take a, take a slug. Let's oh, take I did. A slug. Well, another, we've been slugging. I mean, yeah, slugging. the drink's almost gone. Slug, slug. Cheers. Delightful. Mm. Uh, but we do have fall approaching. We do have Ooh. highs of in the 60s and lows in the 40s on the forecast, which means it is officially fall and winter chili slash soup season. So I want to know. falling for fall. Welcome back 70% of my closet. Yeah. Also, yeah. oh, man, I don't even want to start with like sweaters and boots and jeans. Nope. But for chili and or soup, is there one specifically that you are looking forward to? And is there one specifically that you think you are great at making? Ooh, one specifically that I like very, very much. Yeah, just one that you're really looking forward to. Like, I don't eat a lot of hot soup in the summer. I do, like, pho and ramen, but I don't do a lot of, like, the traditional American soups until it gets cool. Split pea. Ooh, yes. That's my favorite. And ham? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, big chunks of ham. I'll I'll double smoke a ham on the smoker. Mm -hmm. And I have a very kind of easy entry Weber Smoky Mountain cooker. You know, you call them bullet smokers. Works extremely well. Double smoke it like Kramarchuk does. Get some really yeah. good smoke on the outside. Eat, I don't know what, an eighth of it for seven of us. <laughs> well, nowadays it'd be like a 16th with five of us at home. Right. And then the rest gets chopped up, and you save the bone and all of that, and you add it back in. And that thick, and I like split pea soup when it's really thick. Yeah. That's, that's hands down my favorite soup. I'm a turn the spoon upside down kind yep. of guy. That's yep. when it's really working. Uh-huh. Like and all that meat falls right off the ham bone. You just shred it in, and then you cut up some more chunks so there's plenty of ham in there. It's freaking delicious. So that's also the one that you make? So you're looking forward to eating it and also mm-hmm. the one that you enjoy making the most? I make a really good chili as well, but it's not my recipe. It's a Cook's Illustrated recipe. Sure. But it's really – like it's a starts with a quarter cup of ancho chili powder. Yeah. But yeah. the trick is it's just onion – and red peppers, and you really let them saute down oh, with okay. all the spices. Red pepper, too. So the key with any of those, like, it makes me nuts when I see people making chili and they dump the spice in with the liquid. None of no. those chili spices dissolve in that liquid. So half that flavor never gets in your chili. You got to toast it. So you add all that uh, chili powder, cumin. You know, it's, it's a, not depth. a very long list of spices. Cori- oregano. Uh, fresh ground coriander. Any oregano? Uh, yes, Mexican oregano. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh and then it's pretty much uh, like really fatty beef. You drink, you know, and you add that in, and that adds more oil to let that chili absorb. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it's beans and tomatoes, and it's pretty simple. But it's really, really fucking good. So some people are anti-bean. I like beans bean and guy. chili. You, you, what kind of bean? Kidney? Typically, pinto? it's kidney beans in chili. Okay, so it's uh, black any, beans. If we don't have kidney there? beans, no carrots, celery. Nope. So, it's, so it's like it's it's pseudo American because using yeah. the kidney bean is quite like yep. new American, but the red pepper is kind of an interesting touch. It makes a lot of sense having Add some sweetness already in there, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, instead of the carrot. And I've always been a big fan of Cook's Illustrated recipes or that kind of whole family of magazines. It's just really great, and of all of our kids yeah. who aren't fans of really spicy food absolutely love it. You do chuck, yeah. Okay, yep. 
Cool, cool. If I can get it like Chuck I roast, and sometimes I'll grind it myself. Sure. Because yeah. it's you know got a really good beefy flavor. Oh, I think ground, it's great. You do ground? I, we do actually. Ah, yeah. okay. Yep. I thought it was. Yeah, I figured it was pieces. I do chili con carne. I do chunks like of pork shoulder Texas style chili. Yeah, like big, big, big yep. chunks of pork shoulder. Yep. You know that's that ends up being most of the oil because I put in a little peanut oil and then I'll render down the cubes and to and to get them also like seared off. Take them out and there's tons of fucking pork fat in there. And then I saute uh, onion, garlic. Um, yeah, that's it. And then throw in my my spices to toast them: cumin, yep, ancho, uh, Mexican oregano, yep. And then bay leaf, and then I throw in. So I do use I use two cans of pinto. One can I blend for thickness. That's the thickener. Oh, totally. So I I drill it completely, and that goes in. And then I do one can just like you know you might pop like a pin, the pinto is like another vegetable that's in there. It's yep. not a dominant yep. feature. Yeah. Uh, and there's probably a couple of like cans of tomato. Yep. You know, might be a couple other things. And then you go crazy with toppings: cilantro, sour cream. And I love mine super thick. Like over rice, really thick. Yep, Super we'll make thick, pickled onions. Rice, I love. We use uh, make it hot. Rick Bayless has a really simple way to pickle red onions. It's literally just lime juice and salt. But the key is, mm. and it works this way. It works without blanching them, but he blanches them for like fifteen seconds, and then you just literally cover them in fresh squeezed lime juice and salt, and they're ready in thirty minutes because the blanching really opens up just the pores. Opens up and they suck up that lime off. juice, yep. but you let those sit for two days. And all of that really sharp, acrid sulfur flavor is gone, and they are sweet like candy and tangy, and my kids will eat them like nobody's business. Red onions? Red onions, okay. yeah. They turn this gorgeous purple color. Yeah. My wife made the same thing, but she didn't blanch them. It just took maybe three or four days for them to get to the same point. Oh, that's, that's delicious. So good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm honestly the most excited because I'm a big in cold weather. I, I do love split pea. My wife does not, so mm-hmm. it's always... If I make a big batch, I got to know it's just me. Mm-hmm. And I can give some to my dad. I can give some to my mom. But that's mm-hmm. about it. So Jenny uh, might try it. But my yeah. just be like, no just not, Well, she doesn't like ham, period. She's just, mm-hmm. All the other pork products out there, she's down. Ham is just not her thing. Do you get good ham or where do you source your ham from? Because some people are like, I don't care. It's ham. I'll get it from. I usually go to Hack and Mueller's. Okay, so you're getting good ham. Yeah. Yeah, because some people just get like that nasty spir- spiralized ham that's Pre-cut. already slimy when you pull the flaps no. apart. Sounds great, right? <laughs> We've actually, shockingly, had really good luck. We only ever buy at our house. We buy bone-in hams that are not spiral sliced. Sure. The hams, I don't know what brand it is, but Aldi is kind of a gem for... They had some good hams? They have great ham. And it's really inexpensive, but it's bone-in ham. And it's really freaking great. Mm, yeah. I'm pretty anti-ham. I just I don't really like to eat just a big piece of ham. I just It's weird to me to just eat a piece of ham. Yep. I am the opposite. If it's... 10 o'clock at night, and I'm still crushing, like, three shows. I go into the fridge. I grab, like, three huge chunks of leftover ham, maybe a little, small bowl of olives. Mm-hmm. I don't bother Whoa. to cut that shit. I <laughs> oh. just start chewing it. Like, just it's it. delicious. Because it's really soft. Mm-hmm. As Dusty Rhodes would say, a big old flab of ham. A big old flab of ham. <laughs> he said something that sounded like that in WCW <laughs> one time. If JP's listening, I got that, my brother JP. But he was hard to understand at times. And we were watching a WCW pay-per-view. This is a big digression. Probably like 1991. And he was like just going on this tangent. And I swear to you, I rewound it like four times because we were recording it. Or it was already recorded. I don't remember. But unmistakable. There was, there was like nothing else we could figure out that he could have been saying. for sure that. And it sounded like he said, a big old flab of ham. 
<laughs> so we say that to each other all the time. What's the other one from the? Uh, it's boxing, but Spinu. No, Spinu. Spinu. Yeah, that's Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson saying spinal. Spinu. Here's, here's the other great. Uh, here's the other great Dusty Rhodes <laughs> quote that made no goddamn sense. He was calling a Chris Jericho match. And he said something, again, that it couldn't have been anything else. We kept trying to figure it out. This is on Nitro. I taped it every week because I used to watch Raw Live. He said, looks like Chris Jericho's got the bigger dick. <laughs> oh, what, no. is that, what does that sound like? <laughs> That's got to be a bigger dick. Looks like Chris Jericho's got the bigger dick. What? Hey, yes. <laughs> what did he actually <laughs> like, say? I don't know. We couldn't figure it out. Oh, no. He had the other instance where we were like, what? We kept rewinding. It looks like Chris Jericho's got the bigger dick. I think you just go with it. I think yeah. that's what he said. That sounds like on brand for him. Hey, if I was Chris Jericho, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, Soups, uh, I am looking forward to, I have uh, a number of friends and relatives that live uh, up in the North Country, and I am in a, uh, I, I am covered in riches in my wild rice cabinet. Mm. Uh, and there's nothing that I love more than a big, thick batch of creamy chicken wild rice soup. My I oldest go. daughter would hug you immediately. Yeah. And like, I'll do different ways of preparing the chicken for it. Like, mm. I'll roast a whole chicken and yeah. then just pull it all apart. Yes. That's my favorite. Yep. Yes. Do and you just get all that flavor. Sometimes I've even taken like all of the skin and I'll just wrap it up in a sachet and leave it in there just to get some more of that flavor. Yes. And then, oh man, it keeps forever. It's awesome. My dad loves it. So it's like a meal that I know I can drop off for him and he'll crush it. We have a guilty pleasure on that vein with chicken wild rice soup. Uh, women's, my wife works at a church and women's group, lady who was part of this group, could kind of make it, could kind of not because she had a lot of health issues, but she really was like the classic Midwestern home cook but most of it was not high quality ingredients and i'll be damned that stuff is so freaking good (laughs) it's so it's like the thickest wild rice but it hits all those notes and you're like i can make this really i could make this really magical with like you know all the artisan ingredients but it still doesn't taste like this no because it's not thick like this doesn't have that, you know, cream of chicken or cream of mushroom soup in there. Oh, it's so mm. good. I just put like a little bit of heavy cream in yep. my soup to make it creamy. Yep. It's weird how so little can go so far. Yep. Sometimes I'll put like a whole pint in there, but you don't need to. Mm-mm. If you have like a little left over mm-hmm. and you're making, because I made, Marnie had an actual cold. She did not have COVID for the record, but like two months ago, uh, just before we went to Puerto Rico, she got a cold because people are being around one another Achoo. again. And I made her a big pot of soup and I froze a ton of it. I made like mm-hmm. a massive... So I make soup if you're not going to make a lot of soup, especially because mm-hmm. it goes in the freezer and then when it's cold or you don't want to make lunch or whatever, you just go ahead and toss them out. But that... I, I only had a little bit of cream and the thing was like a giant basically five gallon pot like a like a brew pot and it still got like pretty creamy yep. just from doing that. Yep. I have one secret ingredient. Do you have any secret ingredients you put in your chicken noodle soup? I put parsnips in mine always. Yep. Ooh, I do my, love uh, some... chicken wild rice soup. Yep. The parsnips like Pers- the flavor of that little that little pop is like crazy. When you get a bite of that, you roast like, them first Ooh. or just let them cook in the nope, soup? Cook them right in the soup. Yum. Yep. I do parsnips, uh, uh, um, Jesus Christ. Carrots. Carrots, celery, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll even sometimes I've done a little bit of turnip and, and a little bit of... Uh, Turnips are great, too. Yeah, yeah. a little yeah. bit of onion, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then... I love pearls in there. Pearl mm-hmm. onions. When you get like the little mm-hmm. pearl onion, yeah. super like, fucking love Sweet that. and a little pickled. And then uh, fresh grated nutmeg. Delicious. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like there's. I, I we were talking about this on the episode with Tyler Johnson. Uh, I do often like a little bit of my 
my curry. Yep. I just put mm. in like two tablespoons of that curry, oh, and I'm it just try that permeates everything with this je ne sais quoi. Like you Speaking get a little bit of those like twenty two fucking spices I, I put some in there. More of that curry, and you're like, because we have we have exhausted the. Beck I got to make a new batch. I, I'm due to make a new batch of that and a new I batch would, of my air quotes. Rum I would that use I that shit. One of my favorite. I, I think it's kind of soup like. Uh, Shakshuka. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. And I have discovered that I've had shakshuka at good a Lord, fantastic good. Uh, Israeli restaurant Ooh. in Denver. I've had it in Texas, and all of them actually had it in Chicago as well. And all of them have like a large portion of peppers, and the peppers have still a fair amount of tooth to them. Mm-hmm. I like peppers, but I like them especially red and yellow or orange when they're really soft, so they kind of become part of the tomato sauce. So what I'll do is I'll do onions, and if we have them, red peppers, and I'll cook those really, really soft. Then I'll add usually harissa and a, at least two tablespoons of your curry powder, often maybe some chili flakes because I like it a little spicy, and then just a can or two of tomatoes, and then yeah. let that really simmer down so it's really spicy but super thick. Then pop the eggs in and just finish them under Nest, the broiler. Nestle in your eggs, yep. And so both of these places, the shakshuka tasted great, but I was like... I kind of like my version better because I just like the peppers a different way. And I think that's yeah. the cool thing with cooking is you go, this is great, but I like to make it this way. Yep. I think raw peppers are garbage, like bell peppers. And they're long what? peppers. Like, you know, when you peppers, get a, I like it when peppers are cooked, well, when peppers, so peppers are one of those ingredients that are transformative when they are like really cooked for me, especially blistered mm-hmm. peppers, eggplant. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you could throw zucchini in there as well, but Peppers and eggplant, especially when they get charred, they become something entirely different. Yeah, they're totally meaty and smoky. They taste like they're smoked, even if you didn't smoke yes. them. Something about that that I absolutely adore. We will do that and pack them in oil and leave them in the fridge for a few days. Sure. If we have those and you put those in shakshuka, it's a game changer because mm-hmm. it adds this really great element that you can't get just from the standard peppers themselves, and it's just freaking delicious. Yeah, I'll char the fuck out of peppers, and then I'll put them in a, like a really tall container, a quart or something, and I'll poke a hole in them, and then all their juices end up, end up preserving them. Yeah. And that's all smoky, too. Sometimes I use that with whatever I'm cooking as well. Yeah. And then what you should do is turn those into ice cubes, and then you put them in a cocktail. Dude, big time. Absolutely. Hell yeah, that's smart, because especially right now with oh. bell pepper cocktails being so damn popular. They shout, out to, uh, idea. shout out to Nathaniel Smith. Yeah. That was he, he made me... Oh, cool. A cherry juice cocktail, and he filled it with red pepper juice oh. cu- cubes. Oh yeah, you've mentioned. Yeah, that. Okay, so cool. as I as oh. I drank it down, it got more and more gardeny and more and more savory. Reading. It was it was incredible, and I was so mad at him because I was like, of, of course you came up with this thing that's just flipping me sideways. And he's like, oh yeah, thanks, no big deal. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> so number one mistake in soups is people think that they don't have to season them as much as they need to, even if you're using stock that has salt in it. Do you mean all food? Soups, Every though. Dish. Soups, yeah. like the amount of salt you have to put into that much liquid and yes. and the sol- all those solids is crazy. It's fucking crazy how much you have to season a soup. This is not a secret ingredient, but I will say I put an unconscionable amount of black pepper in my chicken. Oh, you got to do it. Like if I order it at a restaurant, I won't even taste it. I'll just ask for the black pepper and just so give it like four another or five dish that I sure. won't eat unless oh, it is that. comically filled with fresh cracked pepper. Biscuits and gravy has oh, yeah. to has to be has to has to be. you cannot have you cannot have the gravy in biscuits and gravy unless it has an almost criminal amount of yeah. cracked black, black pepper in it yeah. like 100%. the kind where your tongue is tingling yep. and your nose is going like when you oh. look at it somebody might have had a handful of dirt and walked Correct. by your dish that's yeah. what You're that's like, how what I, I want it. 
Uh, okay, so my answer could go so many ways because obviously pho and ramen, I'm very much like I will have them in the summer, but I don't because I'm just zeroed in on all the fresh ingredients and stuff. I just don't think to do it. So I'm very much looking forward to that, but that's pretty standard protocol. I've been having like an, an a really like mean craving for just simple but properly prepared yeah help yourself simple but properly prepared um grilled cheese and uh tomato soup oh yes just like a perfect yes. clean distinct tomatoey tomato soup yes. marnie and i we had so many uh heirloom tomatoes in our garden that one day we were like what the fuck let's just blend these down and cook them skin and all yep so we got the vitamix blender now and like there's a lot we of got vitamins of and flavor in that and it just fucking blasted this stuff so we cooked them whole didn't season them and we have like maybe eight to ten quarts of really great heirloom like blended down heirloom so i'll be able to just take one of those quarts and make like a small amount of soup in a small pot for she and and myself and then make I want white bread. I want it crispy. Of course. Yep. I want good cheese. You can mix the cheese up. Sure. It doesn't have to be. You can use what's your What's cheese. your fat on the use, bread? Uh, on the outside? Yeah. But uh, yeah. I know a lot of people do the mayo thing. I've tried both. I'm, I, a, I'm a mayo convert. Okay. Okay. I, I like um, butter. Yeah. Yeah. I've made a lot of and I freaking grilled love mayo. cheeses. I used to do like a grilled cheese day. Like let's do – and I would do like four different grilled cheeses. And, you know, you put different things in there like parm and – and prosciutto and basil and stuff like that. But I'm talking, I want like straight cheesy grilled cheese. Won't even add bacon or tomato or any of that, which I also enjoy. I do really like that. But I want I want just like where it's the bread. Yes. It's your dipping bread. And yes. just like a nice hot bowl of pure tomato goodness. And then it's effectively the sauce in your dipping. Actually, I wrote a menu for a client one time and I told them we're going to make tomato soup, but no one, no one can buy the tomato soup. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, it's the sauce for the grilled cheese. When they order a grilled cheese, they get a tiny bowl, like a little ramekin, but it's not soup. They're only ordering grilled cheese, but it comes with a tiny bowl of tomato, tomato soup, and it's yes. the dippings, and it was killer, and they ended up taking it off the menu, which is weird, because oh. a lot of people ordered it, especially kids, and I was yeah. like, you guys fucked up. They're like, oh, My we, kids don't love make, that. we don't want to make that soup every day in our, yep. you know, our Robo Cooper. And I'm a big fan. Like, you got to squish the bread. Mm. Like, you got to really press it. Yeah, and I, it, you can use different breads. Sure, it is. It's a blank canvas, but I like what I'm thinking of is like the white bread. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Cheese. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I also I tend to use <laughs> saltier uh-huh. saltier cheeses. <laughs> so yeah. uh, my wife has started doing a blend of roasted tomatoes and roasted red peppers in yeah. our tomato soup. Yeah, and I love that because it like it gets a little bit of sweetness in there. Yep. yep. So you don't get over salinated on your palate. And you I, get that roastiness from the pepper oh, yeah. when it cooks. So good. So do you what's what's your favorite cheese in a grilled cheese? I usually do a blend. Uh, I'll do I mean most recently we've been doing three. So I'll do like a sharp cheddar, a straight up like American processed cheese food. Uh, yep. And then like a Gruyere or a Munster or I've even done provolone. Um, but sometimes provolone, especially if you let it sit for a little bit, it gets kind of like not tough, but toothsome. And I mm. like the I like the strings. You gotta eat it right away. Yeah. yeah. My my favorite singular cheese to use is Gruyere. I love Gruyere. It's fantastic. And then like that with the tomato. Yeah. I just really love. The one I'm talking about will probably just be, I'll probably just do American cheese. Yeah. yeah. It is good. For sure. 
Like it's a specific oh, use. Yeah. It does taste delicious. It's just like craft macaroni and cheese. It reminds I know. you of being a kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like when I was a kid and I wanted to have lunch and the fridge didn't have like a limitless op- number of options for me, I would take a couple pieces of white bread or even a piece of flatbread, Lebanese flatbread that either I helped my mom bake or she baked or we got from a store locally and then just American cheese and melt it in the microwave. Yes. It's squishy and all. Uh-huh. But like squishy white bread with American cheese in the middle and you make it too hot and the steam's yes. rising out of it and it's like stuck in your teeth. Uh-huh. Something about that makes me think uh-huh. of being a little kid. I will you know, shamelessly watching cartoons and eating that. Take if we have American cheese slices in the fridge, again as a late night snack, I'll grab three or four slices, unwrap all four, stack them, fold them in half, and then in half again. And just bite down, little, what is that, block? 16 slices okay. of cheese. <laughs> and again, it's your front teeth are covered on the inside with melted cheese. It's so cheese. good. I will eat a slice of that fucking vinyl cheese. Just like grab one and just so like good. peel off little pieces. And you're like, this doesn't look right, but I want to put it in my mouth. I still can't it's get there. I, it's, it's an ingredient in other things for me, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I appreciate it. If only for the Homer Simpson late night cheese reference. Dude, they're making like nice uh, American cheeses now. Deluxe. Right. Are some, of them really? are, some of them are fucking great. Like there are there are producers that are making American cheeses that I like on my smashies more than just the Kraft Single. Sure. Because the Kraft Single to me is like something about it is still massively, massively artificial. I prefer something that has – this sounds so dumb because it's American cheese. Like a little more body. Sure. It oozes, it oozes, but it doesn't explode. Right. You know, yeah. it doesn't just go bah! like immediately, especially because I make a cheese sauce. If I put Kraft Singles in my cheese sauce, it would never actually get thick. I could put like 20 <laughs> yeah. tablespoons of of uh, flour in there and be like, nah, man. Nah, 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 nah today, son. Yep. You, you but- <laughs> like your processed cheese food to have thick thighs. Yes. Yes, sir. Beautiful. So I got – some from so Whole Foods has their 365 brand of American cheese. I got some when I went to the cabin a week ago with my friends, and I used it. Oh, we used it on breakfast Sammies. I didn't end up making the burgers I wanted to make, but Brandon made breakfast Sammies, and we used that cheese. They're fucking liars. It's cheddar. It was like that semi translucent, like I know well exactly. Melt. Yep. And I was oh, like, no. Why would shape? you fucking. And, and listen, listen to me, uh, 2021, 39 year old American male who loves Smashburgers being like, oh, this is not American cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm mad at them because they gave me cheddar instead of American. <laughs> Charles, 10 years ago, would have swiftly kicked me right in the mucket for saying that. <laughs> oh, That's very fair. In the mucket. In the being mad at mucket. <laughs> I'm mad it's not American cheese. I love that. How dumb. You got to love it, though. You got to. I love it. Well, shall we have a, a, a pull? Oh, yes. And then move on? I'm on round two. Let's do it. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I got to say, Charles, I, I, w- I assumed I would love this, and it's as good as I thought it would be. Charles, do you want to pour what you want left in that bottle, and I'll just take the rest? Otherwise, I can, if you want to take that whole thing, I can switch to... At no, we point. got more to drink. No, no, I'll pour a little bit, and then you can pour a little bit, and then we'll probably unified switch to uh, the Aquavit. Uh, here's, here's another thing I want to point out. I know Nate very well culinarily now, so if I tell him he's going to like something, I know for certain. I, he's never been like, you know what? Not a fan. When we were in Chicago, do you want to tell Nate? you want to tell the story? I kind of do. <laughs> so we're at Longman and Eagle... Never and Charles leans back and goes, Nate, you got to get the uh, Jim Beam Whiskey Highball. And I look at it and go, oh, it looks interesting. But I had my heart set on some type of, was it like a Negroni riff eh, or something? Like a spritz a or spritzer a Negroni. Or a spritzer Negroni. Something, something like that. that. Yeah. So I got the spritz, and then I saw his cocktail come out. 
and it was this beautifully delicate, bubbly, light ginger ale looking drink. No highball, ice. Right. In a highball glass, so the nice little skinny, almost Super like Super nondescript. It made me think of the Sooner Kolsch glasses. Oh, sure. You guys know the Sooner yep. Kolsch glasses? Yep, big time. And I leaned down Preferred and I went highball glass. Is that the highball? He goes, Mm-hmm. Or like maybe just raised his eyebrows. And I immediately flagged the server and said, Can you bring me one of those, please? No, I had you try mine. Oh, that's what it was. I was like, come on, Nate, take a sip. And he was like, And I immediately ordered Damn it. (laughs) And then we crushed I don't know how many. Oh, we had two yeah, we had two in front of us at any given time because I was like, You may as well bring another one. I know you guys are busy. Uh Uh-huh. So just whenever They're delicious. And so you finish one and then start it on the next one. And those fucking Toki highball machines. We are looking at getting one of those machines. Oh Melly. Mm-hmm. Hey, Melly, are you listening? Dear friend of the podcast, Melly, where is that? I'll be calling the, you the soon. The bubbles in there are so, like, perfectly Ooh. tiny. It's brilliant. They're it's so good. It's perfectly tiny bubbles. Like, it's yes. just like, the smoothest drink. Tiny Tim would sing a fucking song about it. Mm-hmm. To the point that Longman told us that there are two spouts on it. One side has the pre-made uh, Toki Highball, the signature Jim Beam highball that they serve yep and the other side they just use as their soda water for anything that they prepare they're like it's just too good the it it makes these like insanely tiny perfect effervescent bubbles yeah. it's the I best love. it's the best ever like seltzer just for drinking absolutely yeah. i love that you mentioned Incredible. that because i was going to say we have to talk about the cocktail we had in chicago true we that got to okay question number two Nate, this one is going to be very difficult for you to answer i was being sarcastic but it might actually be what was your cigar of the summer of 2021. Hashtag Lancero Summer. Cigar of the summer 2021. Mm-hmm. Do you maybe one you smoked a lot or one you just adored. I can buy you some time if you want to think. Yeah, give me maybe like 30 seconds. I will say that mine, uh, it, was the, it was the best tasting cigar that I had this summer, period. But then two puffs into it, I was uh, told about what a shitbag the company is. So I had a uh, Gurkha Cellar Reserve, the 15-year and it was fucking fantastic, but I I have sent to sent me a photo and I was like oh, I missed that cigar, but I'll never smoke another one again. Gurkha. I have to I have to file it under the same same bullshit. Like I don't give a fuck if you like really like the chicken nuggets or like the lemonade's really good. Fuck Chick Fil A. I'm sorry, and and I feel the same way about this. Like I can't I can't keep buying when there's so many other great producers that are producing great things. Even if I really like something, I can't go back to it knowing that like the money that I'm giving them is going to seditious pieces of shit. And it right. soured a very, very wonderful flavor for me. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, well, now every cigar that I look at, I got to do some Googling. I got to figure it out. And it's no, like... No, that's it. Well, yep. no, but for like... <laughs> that's pretty much But it. for everything, like I'm kind of there right now. And I feel yep. like that's a little bit of my penance. Like take five yep. or 10 minutes and research where it is you're buying shit from and then make your call after that. Yep. You know, there are plenty of places that I don't find offensive that other people might. Uh-huh. There are plenty of places that I find offensive that other people might think are great. But I will say I will never have another fucking Gurkha. Yep. Uh, unless there's a huge regime change and somebody figures some shit and out. And you will be in good company because you go to any, pretty much any reputable smoke shop, and generally the rule of thumb is friends don't let friends smoke Gurkha. Yes. That's the running joke. Love they it. also about mostly it this make mediocre cigars. They but do. The, the Cellar Reserve 15-year and their barrel-aged cigar now and then they make are a really very good one. nice. That, yep. I love that Cellar Reserve 15-year. Yep. They do make a good um, cigar. I haven't had one in years. I might not like it quite as much as I used to, right. but I used to smoke the crap I out have of to, I also have to say I'm even more pissed off about it because that was the first one that I got without asking anybody for help. Yeah. Like, I actually like, kind of figured out, like, this is what I like and these are it's the smells. It's an attractive stick. Yeah. It's an attractive stick. Yeah. Like, I like the smell of it. Like 
that is way too long to smoke. Yep. The band looks good. It's like awesome. 15 year yep. aged tobacco. So right. I can answer the question about like cigar of the summer. And this mm-hmm. has been my top favorite cigar for some time. I've smoked more of them, a comical amount of them, since coming to Bovida because I now have been able to become friends with two of the reps for this company. But I smoke a cigar more than really any other made by Placencia, which is the largest grower of tobacco in Nicaragua, called the Alma del Campo. And Placencia makes some of the premier cigars on the market right now. Generally a little more expensive, so it's really nice to be able to get boxes sent up or you know get freebies at cigar shows and say, Nate, do you want a cigar? Yes, please. It's a beautiful cigar. It's nutty. It has a great floral component. About halfway through, you get this really nice hint of cinnamon, almost baking spice. It is an absolutely beautiful cigar. Every time you cut it, one of the things that is kind of a giddy little schoolgirl type thing is Every now and then you'll cut a cigar, and it cuts just perfectly. You don't have any little shreds of tobacco. It's just clean. You could even tap it like on a flat surface. Nothing falls out. Almost every one of those cigars smokes perfectly. I would say a close second, and the cigar was re-released. It was a perennial favorite of mine a few years ago, and then it, they took it out of the line to re... Uh, I think they re-blended it, but to work on it, redo the branding on it so it matched all of their current branding. It's made by Crux Cigars. Mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about this They're before. They're Du Connoisseur. And I particularly like the number two, which is Lovely. like a short Lancero. Yep. So mm-hmm. back to our Lancero summer. That cigar is absolutely kick-ass. It's spectacular. So thanks to Jeff Hogan, Panatella, I Tony think. Hogan, yep. and uh, Casey Hogan down in Florida. Those guys are making a killer cigar. Mm-hmm. To all the uh, cigar reps out there that might be listening to this episode, if you have a, uh, a plethora of cigars and a dearth of pint glasses and or single-color screen-printed bar T-shirts, please hit me up and we can figure out a nice little trade. Mm-hmm. I will make sure that all of your barware and casual lawn-mowing shirts are taken care of <laughs> at the drop of a hat. <laughs> What about you, Charles? It's a good pitch. I like the pitch. Should we talk about what we're smoking Shoot now? Your shot. Or are we going to get to that later? We'll do that as well. Uh, Whenever yeah, you want. we can we can circle around. This, this topic is going to move pretty quickly. Pretty here. short. I'm going to get on to my next cigar. Uh, I think we both will relatively yeah, right? soon here. So my <clears throat> cigar of the summer is also a Placencia cigar. Big ups to Placencia. I'm sure Nate already knows the answer to this inquiry. I do. Uh, the Alma del Fuego. The um, Panatella size, so a Panatella is a, it's a it's a skinny. So hashtag Lancero Summer, our group of friends who smoke a lot of cigars. We kind of came upon. I'm pretty sure I coined it early in the summer. Like we we're smoking tons of Lanceros. Are you sure you don't really do so fucking get eaten? Nah, I know. I'm I'm taking credit even though I don't deserve it. But we we got real hot on smoking Lanceros because we're giddy that a lot of producers are uh, putting together higher volumes of that style of cigar so just think long thin cigar we did talk about this on a prior episode panatella um esplendido those are variations on like the length of them it's between they're usually between five and a half and seven inches and then um the circumference would you is, say that that's average that's what she said um maybe in okay i'm not gonna be honest. <laughs> please say that's average <laughs> please please so the uh the that particular panatella the alma del fuego fucking incredible cigar 
the first time I smoked one because I was grabbing every Lancero style or thin style cigar. cigar I could find. Anytime I walked into a shop, Tobacco Grove, or I was at Sodi's in Stillwater, Minnesota, I just grabbed ev- I grab every one I see just because I have had so few of them because they were not available for a very long time. And I remember the first time smoking one of those. Oh, I was sitting on the patio at uh, Bungalow Club with our buddies that we smoke cigars with on Wednesdays. And our good friend, Mr. Paul Butenhoff, said, what is, he said, Charles, what's the best thing you've smoked recently? And I was still lighting it. And I was just telling him, like, ah, this Lancero, that Lancero. And then I was, like, thinking about it a little harder. And I took a couple puffs and my, I kind of furrowed my brow. And then I looked at him and I said, uh, actually, this fucking thing right here. This one. He goes, really? And I was like, dude, this is spectacular. And the further I got into it, I was like, wow, this is so good. And then I started immediately looking for boxes of it. And the dope thing about these things is I did end up ordering a case online and um, a box online. And the top of the box is a fucking ashtray. Mm-hmm. That's so dope. It's a four-stick Every ashtray. Box. You yeah. flip oh, it over. Hell yes. And it's a fucking, it comes yep. with an ashtray. How yep. cool is that? Isn't that so, cool? That is definitely my answer, particularly because I've been smoking a lot of them. And so for it to qualify as a cigar summer, it's something that, like, at least for me cause, and for Nate, because we smoke so many cigars, yep. uh, I've been smoking a lot of those, and I will be ordering many more to come. They're, they're, they're fantastic. And Placencia is a great company that I didn't give enough of a shot because I had enough cigars that I smoked that were uh, premium cost, like Davidoff's and Padrones, like the high-level Padrones, where I didn't want necessarily to like lean into a new brand that costs a lot of money so i haven't smoked i hadn't smoked a lot of placentias but that one i got because it was that thin style of is the panatella and then instantly i was like holy crap that's good and now i'm very much a convert to um placentia and i want to try more of their catalog They're delicious. as a result so if you ever go to look for placentias the labels are easy to see they're they're a premium cigar like Average price in Minnesota is kind of a little higher than a lot of other states. I think you're looking at for Placencia cigars in the fourteen to twenty-two, twenty-three dollar range, which is getting into the more super premium cigars. Higher entry for higher sure. entry for mm-hmm. sure. More like uh, Padron, kind of entry level Davidoff. So they're not as expensive as the the bulk of the Davidoff line, but they're a nice cigar. And they're easy to find because they're all different colors. So their boldest line would be their Alma Fuerte. That's a black label with gold printing. Alma Fuego kind of fits into the similar wheelhouse of flavor. Coffee, leather, a little bit of chocolate. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Alma del Campo, which is my favorite, and that's a gray label. Then you have the 146 Cosecha, which is an equal mix of white and gray. And then you have their, and I always blank on this, they would call it, like most people would think it's their entry-level cigar, but it is an absolute beauty of a cigar, and that's their lowest entry price point, and that one's like a white and gold label. And I apologize to Tom and Ivan, I always blank on that one because we don't have it at our sh- local shops here, but it's a beautiful cigar. So, placentas and cabrones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh Charles, uh, I feel like you could probably speak more to what I'm smoking than I could. You have the newest entry in the Alec Bradley Project 40 series. It's the Maduro Project 40. A really nice chocolatey cigar. I also remarked to you before Nate arrived that 
both Paul and I and our giddiness to order them because we found a really good deal didn't realize that we ordered the Maduros and both received them on the same day and we're like, we didn't order Maduros. And we checked our emails and we both were like, we ordered Maduros. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like a really nice chocolatey. It's a yeah. sizable stick. Uh, it's really, I think that's a six by 60. It's a nice, big, chocolatey um, smoke. It's very rich. It burns slow. It's a long smoke. When we were watching, Nate, when you were over and we were watching UFC on Saturday night, I felt like I was smoking mine for two hours because I wasn't like just going to town. I was kind of drinking and hanging out with the boys. And the next thing I knew, I was like, how do I still have so much cigar? But it's really nice. It's the best way to – it's leathery, chocolatey, little woody. All that. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the first uh, the first nice cigar that I ever had that I really remember loving was uh, with my man Drew Guthrie and uh, we got Avo Maduro number twos and mm-hmm. that was the first time where I got like oh this with whiskey this with wine this sure. with rum oh, yeah. this with cognac it was like all of those fireworks went off in my head so there's a little bit of the flavor notes in here that are actually kind of giving me like a throwback to that mm-hmm. sort of that that uh vibe of when you first realized like oh shit like now i can see through the matrix a little bit yeah and it starts to make more sense Dude. but yours also smells incredible yeah first time having this i got a nice uh set of cigars it was this like charity 10 pack that uh our friend dax had recommended to a bunch yep. of us uh and i don't smoke a lot of rocky patels is that the csa the cigar the... smokers of america sampler uh, Ten pack, yeah it right? was a csa right yep. so uh this is a rocky patel i don't know the name it's a two-year is aged. it fine and rare is that what it is oh you might be right is that the actual name of it i it, think it's the called the fine and rare band but I haven't. I don't smoke a lot of Rocky Patel, but this is really nice. It's a little That's cardamom, a little papita, yep. um, little leathery. It's, it's it's really nice. It's quite nice. So the cigar that I'm smoking is by a brand called Adventura. Beautiful cigar. This is a relatively new brand onto the market, especially into Minnesota. One of my coworkers, Rob Gagne, who if people follow any of Bovada's video content rob is the face of the box press podcast he and i are now doing our unbox live videos where we often will unbox something cool and fun which is a huge treat for me because i love being able to do that with him Mm -hmm. this is a cigar that i picked up last friday at a shop that is five minutes from my house i'm a huge fan of tobacco grove that's kind of been my regular shop but omar is the owner of ramsey smoke shop up in ramsey and he has a beautifully selected humidor beautiful carries predominantly boutique cigars and they had an event with uh, a new cigar brokerage and this is one of their brands the adventura so this is called the navigator oh is this the one with all those giant stacks of cigars that everybody was passing around on the forums the other day and it's a beautiful cigar this is called the navigator it's a mexican san andreas wrapper sumatran binder and then fillers that are dominican republic nicaraguan and ecuador and it's Cocoa, leather, a little bit of spice on the retrohale, almost like a toffee quality. This mm. is a beautiful cigar. They make several lines. Uh, they make a white label called the Queen's Pearls, I believe is what they call it. They make a black and gold label. And both the Queen and the King have actual metal bands on it, which is really for oh. cool. What's the really price cool. point on that? Packaging uh, at Ramsey, these are like ten ninety nine. The ones with the crowns and shit on them. Yeah, too? they're like ten or eleven ninety nine. It's pretty wild. The it's really amount affordable. of effort that uh, cigar producers put into packaging. 
it's substantial. You don't see it. You, you see it in, in dis, distillations and nowhere else. Cigars in distillation, like, I, you know, getting the fucking ashtray on top of my That's box so of brilliant. cigars and then having amazing. metal crowns. Like, oh, I got a ring. Like, <laughs> That's so wild. Rob Gagne at Boveda, his favorite cigar, if I get this right, from 2020 was the Adventura Queen's Pearls. Connecticut wrapper cigar. It is an absolute flavor bomb. It's fucking fantastic. Are they new nice. to this market? They are relatively new. Okay. Yeah, so Rob know, has been able to smoke about a lot of these boutique cigars because they'll send them to Bobada or they'll send them to him specifically because mm-hmm. he'll talk about it's them. It's like on a the newer podcast. growing company. Yeah, and they are fantastic. Several other employees at Bobada bought full boxes of okay. that cigar. Now you can get them locally at Ramsey Smoke Shop. I believe he's the only shop in town here that carries them, and they're just baller. All of them are great. Hell yeah. Cool. Well. Well. Dare we have, I guess, a, a well. We dare. We, we, well, at least, I think, oh, no, I st- I'm out. <laughs> we I'm, dare. Uh, do you want to pull mm-hmm. some of that Akavit? Mm-hmm. So we're switching as we finished the, uh, why am I blanking on it? The cocoa? Whiskey, Whiskey cocoa. Go, go. Uh, we're switching out for a uh, a beautifully storied Danish Akavit. Uh, this is the stuff that most people's Scandinavian grandparents had somewhere on their shelf. Um, I love it because so, it, so this is found in homes throughout yeah, the area. I, I mm-hmm. had seen and looked at this bottle in so many different cabinets for years before I ever had it. It's a benchmark for sure, right? Yep. What's the other? Aquavit brand that would be traditionally Norwegian. What's the other Linie? brand? Yes. So Linie is the, that's the L-I-N-A-E, or, right? Or Liney is what most people around here right? would say. Um, so that is the, that's the Aquavit that they put on ships and they bring uh, across, I believe it's the equator yeah. and back up. So yeah. you get a little bit of like mm. sal- salty notes to it. Um, I love both of these because these were created well before Aquavit had a renaissance. Yeah. So you can really see the roots of what all the really cool ones that we've been talking about on this podcast. This shows where they're all kind of coming from. Cool. I've never had this, so mm. I'm excited I haven't to either. try it. I've had the Linie, um, but not this one. The Linie is fantastic. I feel like I don't give that one as much props because that was like a thing that I bought for myself a bunch of times when I was younger. Yeah. And it wasn't it's, – it's special. It's delicious. Yeah. But it, it wasn't a treat for me because I hadn't really figured out spirits yet. Sure. Uh, I was just drinking it because it was something cool in Scandinavian that I could, like, talk about. But this is – I just think that it's been really fun getting to come back to this bottle. And it's sub $20 at most liquor stores. Is this pretty widely available in yeah. the United, yeah. United yep. States? Yes. In, not in the United States. For oh, sure okay. in, in the upper Midwest. And it's Alborg, A-A-L-B-O-R-G. So if you don't have... This is their standard label? Correct. Then? Okay. Yep. yep. So Juba, well, Juba what? Technically not. This is the holiday edition. Oh, okay. So oh, they, cool. they, yeah, that would they put the this name, out. Then. So it's just it's Doesn't everything... the standard one have the Danish flag somewhere on yep. it? Yeah, yeah. It Jubileums? Was... Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, and what this does is it just amps up all of the all of the spices and flavors that are normally oh, not convenient. Cool. It's a little extra. So it's heavier on the caraway... It's heavier on sort of those like baking spices in there, and it's meant to be a digestif and an aperitif uh, during holiday celebrations. Mm-hmm. So this is like if you go door to door caroling. Not obviously not as much anymore, but back in the day, if you would go door to door caroling, they would pour everybody a little sh- a little shooter. Did you get it in the, like the little tiny like wine glasses? Yep. Oh, I love those. Absolutely. Like I only ever think of Akawit when I see those mm-hmm. glasses because that's what you had it in. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to come back to this now. 
I haven't had either one of those brands in years. And it's really fun to come back now after visiting a Akavit distillery in Norway twice and after trying pretty much everything that our state has to offer. It just has such an interesting big flavor to it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it lends itself because of the spices and it lends itself to savory leaning cocktails, gardeny leaning cocktails, celery juice, uh, pepper juice, all that kind of stuff. It just goes fantastic with all of that. So cheers to that. Cheers, gents. Cheers. Mm. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. And again, also it's really with, soft. Yep. And with citrus, it goes the other way too. Yeah. Like citrus just lights this whole thing up. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's uh, more savory than a lot of the aquavits you've brought to yeah. the program as well. And I had forgotten about that because I don't think I was even looking for it's that spicy. the last time that I had a bottle of this. Not much mm-hmm. dill in this one. Mm-mm. I don't. I would be surprised if there's any. Right. And if there is, yeah. it's dried. Yeah, because I love dill in aquavit, but this is fantastic. Um, just a real quick thing: if you see in Scandinavian. Um, products if you see the two a's next to each other that was uh on a typewriter that was the way of making the a with a little circle above yeah. it so it's technically uh, like a long like a minnesota boat o like a boat Ulberg. so be Ulberg. yeah um yeah so that's i used to see dumb this lesson all the time <laughs> never help of, you <laughs> one of my favorite cooking shows and i say favorite because it was why i liked anthony bourdain it's why i like the new stanley tucci cooking show or uh, mm-hmm. travel show on sure. HBO Max was called New Scandinavian Cooking and they had four different chefs over the course of all the years they've done this show but they always would set up what looked like an Ikea table in the wild, like in the location mm-hmm. on a fjord in a meadow and he was always in almost every show there was some form of aquavit and it was either the Linia or the Ulberg. Well, it's the it's the same thing as like uh, in in Polish and Russian cultures that you would just have vodka, yes. or in Italian or French you would just have glasses of wine constantly going. Yes. This is this is our version of that. Yes. It's the spirit that keeps you going. It keeps the conversation going, especially with traditionally quiet people until they're a little bit yeah. inebriated. Uh, that is. That's always present. Yeah. So it's just part of the celebration. So you have a reason to celebrate. Then you bust that out. Then it's okay to drink because it's so my background is half Swedish, half Norwegian. So on one side, first generation great grandparents immigrated from Sweden. Other side, same thing, but Norway. Mm -hmm. And both sides of the family weren't big drinkers, especially my parents. So. That's because they moved here during Prohibition there. Correct. And they had grown up learning that alcohol was the devil. Yes. Mm. And so yes. to be able to revisit this now and drink a spirit that is unique to the place that my ancestors lived is really, really fucking awesome. It's pretty cool. And I will, I, I've sung his praises many times. We'll have him on the podcast at some point. But if you're ever in Scandinavia, uh, if you're ever in Oslo in Norway, go to Imco and just see the distillation and the cocktail room. It's one of the most staggering cocktail rooms I've ever Who seen. Who that? Uh, it's, uh, uh, two people. I've only met the, the woman who okay. runs it. Um, and my friend, uh, Odd is the GM there. That's amazing. It's absolutely spectacular. Imco? Imco. H-I-M-K-O-K. Duly noted. It's a hidden place. It's, it's fantastic. But now that Love we've it. all had a sip, going back to sweet versus savory. Yeah. You have children. Uh, Charles and I do not, but we are around kids with like our friends that have kids. I think I, I have, have enough for both of you. Nephews and nieces, exactly. True, true. What candy or snack <laughs> would you absolutely steal from either your kids or a stranger if they weren't looking? Hot tamales. Hot tamales. That's the jam? No heartbeat. No, no, no doubt. <laughs> like, if it's on the table, I grab it and I eat it. 
And my second oldest daughter, her name is Grace, also loves hot tamales. And I've had to apologize to her personally on many occasion. Uh, I'm not sure whose it was, but I ate the hot tamales. Dad, those are mine. <laughs> well, they're not anymore. The hot tamales are how I found out that I was allergic to fake cinnamon. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, I ate what a handful. What is fake cinnamon? Well, it's it's the flavoring that goes into that, into dentine, into big red, into sure, yeah. red hots. All is that. Is there a name for it? I, I have no idea, but it's the it's the whatever the chemical process is that they use to synthesize that flavor. It's literally a giant box of carnauba wax and fake cinnamon. Yep, and, and it's fucking delicious. I was at uh, I must have been junior high. I, I it had to be junior high, but uh, I thought it was because uh, we had had a box of just the grape Mike and Ikes and we had had a box of just the cherry Mike and Ikes and I thought that's what was in the bowl. So I grabbed a handful and I started chewing and I was like, okay, that's disgusting because you're just not expecting the flavor. Correct. And then I was like, well, I mean, they're not that bad. And then all of a sudden my entire mouth went completely numb. Oh no. And I thought that that was the point of it. And my <laughs> friends, it was the first time I had been around it. Like I was like, why the fuck do people, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. I was like, why do people chew big red? Like this is fucking disgusting. Your whole mouth goes numb and you can't t- taste yeah. anything. Well, one of my buddies was like, that, yeah, that's not what happens. It just tastes like cinnamon. Yeah. And everybody in the room was like, oh, yeah, for real. So uh, one of our friends had cinnamon toothpaste for the sleepover. So I waited until I could taste things again. And then I went and used the cinnamon toothpaste. Sure as shit. I can't do it. That's why I, I can't drink Fireball. Fireball does Whoa. the same exact thing. Can you drink? Does Goldschlager have real cinnamon or is that fake cinnamon? Goldschlager too? is low enough. It's either low enough on that scale or it's high enough in the sugar scale that it doesn't bother me, but I don't drink Goldschlager straight. Because I like Goldschlager because I love, love, like when, it, when we're talking cigars, if a cigar has a really noticeable cinnamon note, I'm all in. So I like Goldschlager because it tastes like real kind of spicy cinnamon. I'll drink Fireball, but it is not my jam. We in I, I also I ruined Goldschlager for myself, and not like I didn't like vomit or anything. But uh, the first nightclub that I had a DJ residency at, uh, one of our good friends, friend of the podcast, and and uh, former guest Paul Hennessy, uh, they came up with a shot behind the bar. Um, I, I don't even remember. What, I think we just called it cinnamon bits, um, but it was pineapple juice, Goldschlager, and apple pucker, and it tastes huh. like it tastes like cold apple cider. It tastes like Sounds cinnamon. Delicious. It's fantastic. But you could Pineapple only... Pineapple juice, apple juice, and goldschlager? Apple pucker. Apple pucker. Liqueur. Green, the bright, green... fucking neon green De Kuiper apple pucker. And I'd be willing to drink that just to have that. For six years, that was like the go-to when somebody wanted to buy a round of shots but didn't know what to do. Yeah. That's what they would pour, and somebody would always come to the DJ booth and give me one. And you can only do that for so long before it just tastes You're like... like Shame and sadness, and yes. why haven't I quit this job? Yes. And oh, another Pussycat Dolls <laughs> song request. Yes. Like that was all it was associated with. Pussycat so Dolls. I haven't, I haven't gone back to that uh, to Goldschlager ever since. Uh, but even saying it right now, I will say my my lips are juicy like LL Cool J right now because it made me think of like because it's sweet and it's tart and yes. it's not overly sure. But the Goldschlager sure shows up. Uh huh. Yeah. And them shits was delicious. I, I can also tell you the one or the one flavor. Applesauce. That's what it was. We called it applesauce. Did you really? And, apple if you, and if you didn't put pineapple juice in it, it was just apple and cinnamon. That was cinnamon bits. Cinnamon bits. But you had to say it like that. And he, we, I loved bits. Paul. Mm. Paul's not a small guy. And he would no. force guys to order it like that, which was awesome. Cinnamon bits. Because all these like 21-year-old bros uh-huh. would be like, I'm not going to slightly use a lisp in order to get this shot. Well, what do you want then? Cinnamon bits. <laughs> it was like a social experiment. It was amazing. Cinnamon bits. So I, I will add to hot tamales are my favorite. 
there is one flavor, and I have forbid any form of this flavor in gum form in my house. I absolutely fucking hate fake mint in every form. I don't like it with chocolate. I think it's an abomination. I don't like it in ice cream. I don't like it in desserts. I I don't like it at all. Now, you put fresh mint in a drink, or you make pesto with fresh mint, or you put it on any dish... I will eat that shit all day long. I think it's freaking delicious. Fake mint, hot garbage. So if my kids want to have a treat all to themselves, mint. pick some mint. And then I make them go to the basement because I can't smell that shit. <laughs> Makes me want to hurl. <laughs> Charles, what about you? <laughs> Who's, whose kids are, or what are you jacking kids for? Well, it's going to be a Lebanese kid, and not because I'm Lebanese. Just because you don't like Lebanese children? because I don't like Lebanese <laughs> Yeah, I was one, and I know what a I know what a dickhead I used to be. You know, so the reason for that answer is because snacky snacks in Lebanon are next level, next level. And when I'm in Lebanon, I eat a lot of snacky snacks. I'm not a big sweets person. I will eat. I like to have dessert uh, with my wife if she wants to have dessert. We're going to have dessert at nice restaurants because. Mm-hmm. They're taking care and caution and planning and using fruits and cheeses and things like that yep. to make like really beautiful, complex desserts. But in terms of eating like uh, something off the shelf, I don't like to eat sweets here for the most part. Yep. There, I can't think of the brand, but there's this particular candy bar. I was just looking it up on my phone. I forget the name. But there's this candy bar there. It's obviously they use real chocolate. It would kill your dog. That's like always my litmus test too. Like <laughs> when friends, I last weekend at the cabin, my buddy Frank said, "Yeah, uh, Nala ate a whole box of like uh, or a whole bag of like kid sized Milky Ways or the fun size Milky Ways." And I'm like, "What happened?" He's like, "She threw up, and then she was fine." I'm like, yeah, because it's chocolate flavored crayons. Yes, there's no fucking cacao in that. Yes, so there's this candy bar, and then it has like little pieces of like dark fruit in it. Okay. I love those fucking things. I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll like have one pretty much a day when I'm in Lebanon and I'll bring some home. That qualifies on the sweet side if I'm going to pick a sweet. The savory side, also Lebanese. Mixed nuts in Lebanon are stupid. They're like perfectly roasted, toasty, like big flakes, sea salt, and they're not crazy expensive and they have premium nuts in them. So you don't have like filler, 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 one cashew. Right. It's like cashews, pistachios, macadamia nuts, oh. and they're all like locally produced yeah. and roasted I all perfectly. Of that. I would like that. So I I bring home a lot of because they have and their ratings are. Charles, can I just ask how heavenly does it smell walking by these places that are roasting them? Stupid, because that has to be just as it's good. Amazing. And, yeah, the bouquet like has to be just stores, as good as the flavor. Grocery stores have their you know their bins like Ooh. we find here at a Whole Foods or wherever you go, anywhere in the world really, where they have their bins of like grains and nuts and stuff. There, many of the grocery stores are roasting their own nuts and then we'll dump them in there and like the the walls are like lined with oils and stuff because yeah. they're just freshly roasted right there. And they and they go far. That's the other thing. Like in many foreign cultures, they go much further with the toasting or roasting process uh, with like pine nuts and things like that. When the Lebanese food, uh, you make a rizajej, which is like the, the a dish I brought up before with like the rice that is made with the chicken that you boil, yep. the stock you make right on the spot, and then you put toasted almonds and pine nuts on top of it. Those are like to the point of burning. You want it as close to the line as possible. So when you get roasted nuts in bags there, the, the pre-packed ones are even mind-blowingly spectacular. And I bring a lot home with me 
the rating for for how much it's worth, how much you pay, is extra or extra with two X's or extra with three X's. Like they put like weird little flourishes on them, and I always go for like the top of the line because it has all the like tons of pistachios, cashews, like macadamias, like all that stuff. That with a pilsner in Lebanon, Almaza, cold, ice cold Almaza, and a bunch, like a giant bowl of roasted nuts, and um, then you're smoking hookah, you're eating like fresh almonds and hummus, you you know, like that. That experience is beautiful. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go right now. So yeah, I'll I'll flip a kid out of his stroller for a bag of those. (laughs) And then also, now, I would say certainly Cree would be number one, but now there are American producers making it. Cree is a peanut that's wrapped in, it's like nestled in a breading, and the breading is cheesy. So it's like Cheeto dust breading around a peanut. So you get a peanut, and you get this super crunchy, like dusty um, outer shell. They make spicy ones. They make like different Sorry. like green ones. I saw them in Spain and locally. Someone like a friend of mine showed me they were eating a bag of them because they know how much I love these things. They're like some local, whatever the I don't know the names of the local companies that make nuts are, but some companies locally have been making them. I don't know if they're super successful because I haven't sure. seen them since. But they're so fucking good, and it's just like a crunchy little cheesy snack with a peanut in the middle. That so like basically nuts. In Lebanon, and the, they're little, they're like delicious little candy bars with yeah. like uh, fruit in them and stuff. Yep. So I will say the the best locally roasted nuts that I've ever had in between my sophomore and junior year of college, came back home to Minnesota, was going to a small school in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, took a semester off to pay off my college bills there, and then started at a school here in Minnesota. And I got a temporary job at a nut and candy company here in Northeast Minneapolis called Midwest Northern Nut and Candy Company, right on Marshall. And they would roast super jumbo whole cashews. Come on. And I swear to God, you could just walk by while they were cooling. So they'd they'd be in this literally like this coffin-size metal mesh basket that would get lifted out, and then they would dump them all in this like air dryer to let them cool and dry off. We could just walk by and grab handfuls. Fuck my life. That sounds so amazing. Absolutely incredible. That was my favorite one as a kid, cashews. You know, every kid liked some... They're buttery, they're like crunchy, but they're also a little soft. They have a little sweetness to them. They're Mm -hmm. fucking amazing. I didn't realize how expensive they were. Yeah. Like my mom would get yeah. mixed nuts and I'd eat all the cashews. And there'd be like out. three cashews in there. <laughs> right. And I'd right. eat them can all. I, Pistachios can I into too. a little cigar education? I saw you watching me. Yes. So I'm going to use this as a way to, edu- to educate the cigar smoking public. And I heard something. It's twofold. And I heard the second part of this I really, really enjoyed because we have a lot of new staff at Boveda because we're, we're growing like leaps and bounds. And one of our new cigar smokers was finished with the cigar and he was – pushing it out mm-hmm. in the ashtray. And my pal Rob ah. was like, whoa, mm-hmm. hold on. Here's what you do when you're done with a cigar. Because cigars will naturally just go out within about mm-hmm. five minutes. One, when you smash out a cigar, all of those oils and sugars mix with the tars that have formed with your spit and the cigar, and you get that really acrid mm-hmm. tobacco smell. So a cigar will just go out. You just set it down, put it out. But Rob said, 
out of respect for the 300 plus hands that made that cigar, oh, sure, that premium you. cigar, yeah. sure. said, when you're done with your cigar, just set it down, let it go out. You'll love it. Yep. Go and on that way, song, when, you, yeah. when you're done, like in my, at my house, I work outside in a beautiful Adirondack chair that my neighbor made. And when I'm done with my cigar, I just drop it in the driveway. Mm-hmm. That way it doesn't burn anything. It doesn't start any leaves on fire. And then two or three days later, when it's literally nothing but leaves, kick it into the, the bushes, and away it goes. And what you saw was, was 17 years of cigarette smoking. Totally. Habit. And oh, it's yeah. understandable. After, like, after a few drinks. Like, literally, that, there's totally no shame. Don't. The minute that I went and started doing that, I was like, well, fuck. But then I'd already like smashed it. So totally. then it's like, well, you can't take it back. And, and, so, like, no, you don't, and I say, I say the, there's not the literally no shame. But it's a cool education thing. And I really like that. All the, those rollers yep. and those producers who the put those time and sweat in there, just set it down and mm-hmm. it's good to go. Like those were open air, so it's not a big deal. You but if you're in it. if no. you're in like a cigar shop, then it would carry a little of that mm-hmm. that burnt tar will smolder mm-hmm. a little bit for sure. Uh, yeah, but it's something that you do until you don't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, everyone, everybody for does those that because it's smoking something. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to put it well, out. I, fire I, can't, I can't throw it out in the street like we do on <laughs> Cigar right? Club. <laughs> right. No, and the nice thing about that is we throw it on the lawn, mm-hmm. and then Andrew, when he mows, mulches it, it all up. up. Yep. And it just becomes part of the lawn. And so I figure fact, if we're talking cigars. The grass is growing with the uh, fertilization of, of our tobacco. Fermented tobacco leaves, yeah. <laughs> and I think for those that are interested or curious about cigars, that's mm-hmm. a Cigar 101 that totally. everybody has to get taught by somebody. It isn't something you're just going to know. You think, well, shoot. Like cigarettes can start a house fire, mm-hmm. so I should probably Certainly. push this out That's so it exactly doesn't like, it. Putting burn something my fucking out. house Ooh. down. But the beauty of fermented tobacco in the form of a cigar is there is nothing to keep that cigar burning. So Without if you don't continue to puff and pull on that cigar, those leaves have enough moisture in them. They are just going to go out. Which I did twice. Yeah. Yep, um, that'll happen. Well, so since I don't have to jack shame from everybody, uh, my, my snacks would be... Uh, I have a weird affinity. I do not like starbursts. I don't like chewing them, but holy fuck, do I love the cherry and the the strawberry, the red and the pink. Yeah, starburst. Like I will, I will happily. And this may go back to a few fun runs with ecstasy and or MDMA. But uh, I will. Done it. I will allegedly. Gl- oh my god! It's apparently it's, allegedly allegedly. <laughs> I might say it's literally like the best drug, um, but there's consequences to how it's made and all that shit. So I just had to like. Oh, once I read about it, I was like, yeah, never mind. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I, I had a few of those in my pocket, and I just mm-hmm. would suck on them. And to this day, my brain remembers that moment, and I yeah. go for them. But uh, since Charles brought up some delicious snacks from, from back home, the, uh, there is, uh, there's a, a chocolatier in, in Oslo called Freya. And they oh, have yeah. um, the original version of what would become the Kit Kat. Uh, it's called Quick Lunch. And the, the entire marketing Is that where it derived from. Yeah. Oh, okay. They cool. they just stole it, and then when when Freya started protesting, the giant conglomerate that owns Mars M M&M and M just bought them. They were like, Nah, man, <laughs> oh. we'll just buy you real quick. So, uh, but their entire ad Aye. campaign. God bless the seventies when there was just no regulation. Their entire ad campaign was like, Don't have time for lunch. Eat this chocolate wafer bar. It's a quick really? lunch. And they, it was all based around like like all these amazing skiers and be like, yeah. I have the next race. I don't have time to eat. And somebody would be like, oh, about the quick lunch. And then they just crush it. And the chocolate is better. 
I, I don't care for the chocolate that the entire Mars M&M company uses. I just don't like it. It doesn't yep. talk to me like chocolate it's not, should. It's not chocolate. Yeah. This is actual legit milk chocolate. And the reason that Kit Kat became Kit Kat was because they realized it's a zero waste product. Because if any Kit Kats break or any Kviklunch break on the conveyor belt, they're mashed up. And that's the filling that's between the wafers. Really? It's all the dead Kit Kats that didn't make it. Or is all that the, right? Yeah, it's 100% huh. right. They even stole that. Uh, and so Do I'm, they still taste amazing? They're so fucking good. Like oh. and, turducken of candy bars. Yep, and I will straight up, <laughs> I will eat them like a heathen. I don't break the bars off. It's no, the same crunch. four bar thing, yes. same shit. I just go right in full oh, bite. you chomp on it? Oh, I chomp oh, on it. Oh, that's criminal to some oh, people. Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh. There's people listening to this right now that are cringing. Oh, oh, oh. Like, <laughs> you can't. You gotta oh, snap I do. it. Oh, I fucking do, You eat a Toblerone like that too? You just bite off the end? No. I like I parcel my Toblerone out because I don't okay. I don't love the little chewy hazelnuts that much, but mm. I like the chocolate. So the dark, the dark, uh, the black Toblerone, I will uh, I'll break I keep my freezer and I'll break off like three pyramids, and then that's what I'll I'll just sort okay. of like half suck on half chew on. <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be my shit. Uh, Charles, I believe you are up next. Oh, well, let's do a oh, shotty shot, boys. Clear this bad boy out. So hopefully, Ben, you feel no shame about the oh, no, cigar. I was just kidding. <laughs> I always feel bad, like explaining certain things about etiquette, like with cigars, or whatever. And they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." I am my ADD. I am such a creature. Like the subset of of things that are going on in my brain is so sideways that like I I didn't even think to do that until I was smashing it, and I was like, "Oh man, I shouldn't have done that." But it was like it was so second nature. You have a smoking thing, and you don't want it in your hand anymore. There's an ashtray, and you just go for that. You know, a thing that I'll refer to uh, from Nate's prior comment early on in our conversation regarding uh, education and people who are, like, new cigar smokers or newer cigar smokers is people feel intimidation about it in the same way they do about, like, enjoying uh, different forms of alcohol can I drink wine if I don't know everything about it? Absolutely, you fucking mm-hmm. can. You don't really need to know anything. You just got to lift it up to your lips. And that's how you learn. That's the thing that I always point to, and we talked about this on Nate's last episode, is that people think that there are so many rules to smoking cigars. There are very few rules at all, in fact. Your enjoyment might be increased by knowing particular things about like how hot to make the cherry and you know how, how long to smoke it and, and how hard to smoke it. But... Reading this interview in Cigar Aficionado like 10 years ago where I believe it was the editor or the founder of Cigar Aficionado was asked, uh, what, what, when do you quit smoking a cigar? How much of the cigar should you smoke? Like two-thirds? And he said, there is no rule. Smoke it until you're not enjoying yourself anymore. So that goes to show that even rules are guidelines. They're not rules almost yep. universally. For cigars or for anything else that you enjoy, like make it your own, man. And no, no one can tell you what you do and don't like. But of course, there are guidelines. Things where, yeah, don't don't put it out. Um, like it don't cut up too high. And it's gonna unfurl on you. Make sure it's properly humidified because yep. then it will taste much better. Like there um, are some guidelines that, speaking of unfurling on you, so mm. the you know cigars have a cap on mm-hmm. the end that kind of yep. closes the cigar. If you cut too much of that, mm-hmm. you do run the risk when you start smoking it that that whole cigar could start. The integrity is that, yeah, that that's literally a thing. Or Apart from even. that, same thing with a poorly rolled joint or blunt. I have had the mm-hmm. good fortune in since I've been at Bovida since January to be at two tobacco shows and meet several tobacco producers, blenders who make some of the most insanely great cigars. 
none of them to a person carries a cutter of any type in their pocket. They, they will look it? at you and laugh. Do they they do one of two things. They take a thumbnail or a fingernail and they just peel around the little cap until they can pop it off. Mm-hmm. Then they kind of put it in their mouth and either spit out the little bits or they brush it off. Yep. Or they put it in their mouth and they bite once. They turn it 45 degrees. They bite twice. They pop that same cap Perforate off. Perforate it. Yeah. And okay. they pull the little bits out, spit it out, and then they light the cigar. Mm-hmm. See, now, that's that bullshit because my front teeth don't touch. Right. Fun thing that you don't know about me. There you go. And I tried it and it works beautifully well. Now, in the Dominican Republic, in Nicaragua, in Cuba. Cuba mm-hmm. Virtually no one has, have no a tools. nice, expensive torch lighter. What they do have is a plethora of Bic lighters. Yeah, Bic torch lighters—they all fucking burn butane. None of that will add any flavor to your cigar. Grab a Bic, light it up. Now, if it's really windy, a torch lighter is great because it allows you to light that cigar without having to hunch over like some kind of Quasimodo. But use what you have. Now, purists will say the best way to light a cigar is with a cedar spill. What that means is like a thin sheet of cedar that you break into a long match, essentially. You light the cedar with a match because match matches have, I don't know what the chemical is on there. Is it magnesium? Sulfur. Sulfur, Sulfur yeah. You have to let that burn until it gets to the wood, and then you can light your cigar. Mm-hmm. The idea is, is to not get any off flavors in the end of your cigar. And you light it without really touching the end of the cigar. And it usually takes, like, I think two or three long matches or a couple spills to really evenly. It's like toasting a marshmallow. I'm of the camp. I freaking hate marshmallows that are beautifully golden toasted. I think they're garbage. I'm like, what a waste of 20 minutes. I love it when somebody's marshmallow that they've been working on for 20 minutes just drops off the tongs right into the fucking (laughs) fire. I'm like, (laughs) you sucker. I grab a marshmallow. I stick it on the end, and I torch the hell out of that. You go Pompeii on the bit. I do. I I spin it in my hands. And I literally pull that (laughs) off, and I pop it right in my mouth, and you get carbonized beautiful crusty and then a little bit of tooth of that marshmallow mm-hmm. if you watch any of the cigar aficionado videos every one of those cigar experts will take a, a torch and they will literally light it maybe first a little bit and then they put it up to their mouth and that thing is literally glowing red big flame coming out of it because they want to light it get into it and smoke it mm-hmm. so if you want to do it with the cedar spill in a match knock yourself out it's really kind of fun but light that thing, get it in your mouth. Everyone and everyone does that differently. Some everyone people don't. Did. Some people think I'm weird for toasting. It seems like as time goes on, fewer people think it's odd. But I like to toast the foot of my cigar. I do too. And you know, I turn it and I toast it and I make sure all the edges are even. I do too. And then I give a good light, right, pretty much directly in the center, but with some good distance with my my uh, Dupont lighter yep. to make sure that it's properly lit. And I know it's white hot when I light it. So I take a couple puffs to make sure it's lit, and then I wait like 30 seconds. Yep. I don't wait a long time, but it's yep. because it's so hot yep. when you light it. If you just start smoking it right away, for me, and I think this is pretty consistent for people who light their cigar the way that I do, you do want to wait a solid 30 seconds because it's burning white hot, and you're going to draw yeah, through tar. That. You're going to get it too hot. You're going to maybe uh, take away from what you're supposed to be tasting because you're just drawing in such hot smoke. 
and then go ahead puff it check I it would. out you want to touch it up touch it up that's the other thing people are like touch it up really they, they're like oh if you're touching up your cigar it means you lit it the wrong way no man i didn't make the cigar sometimes they just they just go perfectly all the way down like this guy yeah. did sometimes, sometimes they canoe yeah sometimes they canoe sometimes the, canoeing means it burns down one side more than the other sometimes they go through the they middle tunnel. yep they can tunnel yep. as well there's a lot of things that can happen that can happen because of the humidity because of the way that it's rolled yep. all those things don't be don't be too proud and waste your, you know, eleven, eighteen, thirty dollar cigar yep. because you're trying touch to look like a champ over there touch in your in your three piece suit with your leg folded over. You can touch it up, man. Hit it or let it sit. Let it. Let and, it. and I even do one additional step before I do. Like you'll wait a little bit before you take that first puff. Mm-hmm. Before I take the first puff, I actually blow, on blow it. out through ah. the cigar. I blow on the foot to blow any. So I'll blow. I'll light it and I'll blow on the foot to make sure it's all evenly. Yeah. Lit all over, so it all lights up orange. And then before I puff in, I do one quick blow out to get any Brilliant. My, maybe acrid smells out, and then I start puffing. Well, the other thing that you showed me that I I think you picked up from somebody and then told me pretty much instantaneously years ago is uh, tapping it on your watch. Mm-hmm. So I didn't used to do that. I So you, you take the cut end and you tap yep. it on your watch from the part that goes on your mouth. And there yep. are a lot of like little flakes and yes. and like I shards do. of tobacco. It, otherwise, you're going, you're doing the... I have gotten half the team at Boveda to do this. Yeah, it's and my, everybody should do it. I my think. pal Rick Baker, who is the manager and president at Tobacco Grove, I would hmm. watch him every time he cut a cigar, tap it on his Rolex watch. And finally, one day I said, Rick... What the fuck are you doing? There has got to be a reason other than to highlight your Rolex watch. Other than to highlight that watch that you are tapping that cigar. And he goes, yes. He goes, our buddy Todd, who is a local cigar broker. Todd reps lines like Tatuaje, Foundation, my father. He said he picked it up, I think, in Nicaragua. But when you tap that cigar on your watch or a flat surface, sometimes I'll do it on the side of my, like the arm of my chair, just really lightly. I'll do it on my V-cutter. Of course. Mm -hmm. Anything that's flat, you can brush the cigar and blow it, but sometimes those little bits of that that tobacco are shedding down into that cigar, and when you go to puff it, you're going to get those bits on your tongue. So then you're picking them off your tongue or you're swallowing them. You do that, you tap it until you don't see any dust or any bits left, then you light it. You're not picking that shit out of your mouth, and it's a great tip. And I owe that all to Rick Baker at Tobacco Grove. It's a fantastic tip, and it's one that's not like widely espoused. Like people don't talk about that enough. A I lot. tell everybody it's cool that like that as far along as as many mm-hmm. cigars as we've smoked, we probably smoked thousands of cigars mm-hmm. before that occurred to you mm-hmm. via Rick, and then to me via you. Yeah, it's a great little tip. But again, there are no rules, just guidelines. Yep. I'll still throw it back to <clears throat> former guest uh, Eric Eastman. It's your mouth. Put. Stuff in your mouth that you want in your mouth. And if you enjoy it that way, then that's the way that you like it. And that's just fine. Mm -hmm. Somebody else gets mad at you. That's okay. Maybe don't do it in front of them at their house. But other than that, like if however you like something, go for it. Food, wine, drinks. Case in point, the three of us have had as much craft beer as anybody in the Twin Cities. True. I would say arguably. And what are we crushing right now? Miller fucking highlight. Champagne time, baby. it is baby. comically delicious. It's made consistently well every time, and it tastes great. I was, uh, I was informed of the actual recipe of High Life uh, this week, and it is a wonderful secret that I am going to sit on for a while until the next time I brew a beer. Ah. 
And I'm going to see if I can make it. Nice. But that's a side story. Uh, Charles, I believe I've been looking forward to this question because I think this could get heated also with our guests and our listeners. That's right. I forgot. And this is one I've been holding on to for a while. It's something that, to me, I'm, I'm quite passionate about. I'm not as passionate, but I will argue to the end of the earth that there is one that's better. Okay. There's no wrong answer, but there is a right answer. False. You're all fucking wrong. I'm right. No, there's a right answer, but there's no wrong answer. <laughs> all right. In its optimal form, Nate, what is the best type of French fry? <laughs> Do you want to think about it? Oh man, I wish We're we had I wish we had answers. video going right now because that was that just hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I will state this at the beginning that if given the option, I will forego French fries in every scenario. Okay, for the sake of Ooh. another <laughs> boo, this man boo boo. <laughs> and I say that because I will take a second smashy mm. or sandwich or anything in lieu of a French fry. The exception would be my favorite would be a classic double fried Belgian style French fry with delicious mayo. It doesn't have to be a scratch made aioli, just a really good fucking mayo. Mayonnaise. That's my favorite because you get that really crispy outer with that super creamy soft inside that you get when you double fry French fries. That's my favorite. And a close fucking second, when they are hot, when they are super salty, McDonald's French fries. No, No fast food place, in my opinion, touches a hot, fresh, salty McDonald's French fry. So a stick, so a stick fry. Yeah. That's, that's my answer. I, boy, I think, uh, now I will say that there are different times calling for different things. I, I do, I would not like this as much if I had like fish and chips. I want planks for that. Yeah, it makes there sense. Are, there are times, uh-huh. and I agree with you on the, I would rather have a second burger. I am that way at barbecues. Yeah. I don't care for your fucking pasta salad nope. with cut up pepperonis nope. and olives. Nope. I don't give a shit about your potato salad. Yes. I am here for the fun stuff and maybe some salty, crunchy snacks. Me. Because I like salty, crunchy snacks, and I love – I have a very huge weakness uh, for uh, foods that are salty that dissolve in your mouth and turn into nothing, a la Fritos, Cheetos, Ruffles, all that shit. Shoesting fries, appropriately salted and then salted a little bit more, uh, that to me is the perfect fry. If I was just going to order French fries and we were going to sit around and drink something that was – that needed some salinity, like that is what I would picture – and then I am the heathen, again, we've discussed this, that uh, I would absolutely dip that in Heinz ketchup because that is a flavor pairing that I am specifically attracted to. Sure. I don't use ketchup on a ton of other things, but in that case, in that scenario. And, and I will add, with really great double fried french fries, I like a two-to-one ratio of mayo or aioli sure. to ketchup. Ooh, fancy you sauce. You mix all that shit around, and I learned how to do that working at McDonald's in high school. Saw one of my coworkers when I was first starting come back into the break room with the tray and a fat pile of McChicken mayonnaise on his tray. And I, I looked at him and I, I almost threw up. I said, what the hell is that? He goes, I dipped my fries in it. And then I watched him do it. And I said, fucking gross. Yeah. No, no, thank you. And he goes, just wait. Within a week, 
I squirted a couple squirts from the caulk gun right on my tray, and I dipped that shit in. Mind-blowing. It's absolutely delicious. And then you add a little bit of ketchup, because I don't hate ketchup in certain forms. Sure. It's great as a binder, as a a thickener in sauces, in barbecue sauce. It's in almost every Mm -hmm. fucking sweet barbecue sauce. Don't hate it at all. But I think ketchup is an ingredient. Yep. So I go ketchup and mayo, like two to one. Absolutely delicious. Sure. I will bury my fries in that shit. Sure. The funny part is, like, for me, I will go lemon juice and malt vinegar on chips that come with fish. Sure. Because I prefer that. I Every now and then will do a little bit of ketchup if there's, like, a bunch of fries left over and I'm out of fish. But that's 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 what that is for. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for for if I just had to pick like French fries with nothing else. Yes. Shoestring, overly salted, crispy, where it just vanishes. Like as you're chewing it, it just turns into nothingness. So of- where this comes from for me, when I was a kid, every Sunday after church, our go-to lunch place because my mom didn't want to cook for lunch on Sundays was either Ponderosa or Bonanza, and we had no money. So it was always a coupon, and you could choose either the chopped steak or the hamburger, which is literally the same piece of meat, oh, yeah. either in a bun Just or how not is it, in a bun. How is it sold to you? And you could get it with either French fries or a baked potato. Well, baked potatoes were hot, mushy garbage oh. at Ponderosa oh. Bonanza. Microwaved so I would to choose death. French fries. Oh. But what would always happen is our meal would come out, so you always went to the salad bar first, and I always got – because on a salad bar – to me, nothing is better than crisp iceberg lettuce. Mm-hmm. I would get chopped egg, thinly sliced carrot, like the julienne little shreds of mm-hmm. carrot, bacon bits, if they were like the real bacon bits, black olives, and a shit ton of chunky-ass blue cheese dressing. Yeah. That was my favorite thing. So by the time our chopped steak came out to the table with french fries... I had literally no room for French fries, so I would crush the chopped steak with some A1 on there, and then go back for another round of salad with blue cheese dressing, and then when we were kids, we could get free soda, and that was right when ice cream machines came into the Ponderosas and Bonanzas, and we would get root oh, beer yeah. and make root beer floats. Yeah, you gotta do and that. And you'd crush like 18 of those. Also, shout out to Fanta or Sunkissed Orange Floats. Yes! And Coke Floats. Dr. Pepper Floats are even yeah. delicious. Uh a1 was my gateway into getting into steaks. Yeah. And uh, I love my mother to death. She does listen to some of these. Uh, Mom, I'm not blaming you for this. But uh, mashed potatoes were not overly flavorful in our household no, growing up. Mine either. And uh, A1 and mashed potatoes is a combo that will send me back to my childhood overnight. And I still love it. So, I still love I'll, Every now and then, if I have A1 steak for juice something. Steak juice in mashed potatoes, still yes. like that's so. That's so I don't know if you guys saw out. this, but Wait. David Chang posted a TikTok adding Worcestershire sauce mm-hmm. to macaroni and cheese. Fucking right, and I, I do, went. I do that. And holy fish sauce. hell, where has this been my whole yep. life? Uh, I should give you the next time I make it. I'll give you um, a deli cup of my nampla, my like super spicy, beautiful Vietnamese. Uh, Lime juice focused mm-hmm. hot sauce mm-hmm. that in macaroni and cheese gives a basement to a building that I didn't even think had anything below ground. You can't see it, but my hands are. It's, raised. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yep. Yeah, I, I told Charles this. I still can't decide where how I should feel about this, but I uh, all the all the like my closest guy friends, the guys at my wedding, whatever. They were all hanging out one night, and I couldn't be there. They were watching. Um, 
they were watching <laughs> they were watching uh, a cooking show and they all decided that if we were all different chefs that they unanimously decided that I would be David Chang. <laughs> I was like, I think that's good. Is that an insult? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I like him. A, it could be. Yeah, it could be uh, a compliment or it could be an insult. Well, I think we always go back to the uh, the the Chris Rock joke that whatever. My friends don't like about me. I already really don't like about me. And it wasn't hard for me to, to see the comparison. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just never like, oh, shit. I think that's good. I'll take thanks. That's sugar with a little salt in there, too. But you got to go with what you got to go with. I like with. that he can simplify things and not be worried about uh, any sort of blowback for being, like, oversimplified. Yep. But I, I, I also... Don't like that he microwaves everything on his Instagram videos now. Like, you gotta microwave everything. I don't, I also don't know him personally, but I will say that a lot of chefs have not tracked well at the okay, you fucked up, but how are you gonna do better? And I feel like he's done more in the last few years to admit culpability and try and talk about being better. Um, and I mean, there's so many, ind- all of the industries need to have a reckoning and need to figure this out. And uh, working in the beer industry, we're in the middle of it right now, and we're working on doing some pretty cool shit, but you also have to admit how much you had done wrong. And for me, anybody, like, we can't fix the past. You can get mad, you can decide you don't want to support somebody that was a shitbag before, but at some point, if people are showing that they're interested in trying to get better and learning more and being better, I think that's also something that we have to applaud. Because if we just decide, oh, you fucked up, you're done. I don't know where that goes. So I like that there has been some culpability, but I don't, again, I've never worked for him. I don't know. That could all just be a really great Instagram story and nothing is happening, you know? So it is what it is. Sure. We can certainly apportion uh, some credit to people trying to be better. I just, I don't, I don't know the ways that he necessarily has. I've just seen, I saw him yell at that Domino's driver on that on uh, Ugly Delicious and was like, wow, he maybe is actually as big of a dick as people say he is. David Chang? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just know if somebody followed remember, what me. What did he do with... on that show to the Domino's driver? He went, he loves Domino's and he went and did Domino's deliveries with the Domino's driver and dressed up like one and at the very end, and I can't even believe they aired this, but he clearly was like uh, the kid who was sick of being out on a day with his family um, at on a vacation and at the end the Domino's driver who was being a total sweet tart to him was like, yeah, let's deliver this. Let's go, let's go up to the door and deliver this pizza. And he had enough and essentially said, fuck this. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And oh, I thought shoot. that was really, I thought that was kind of dark. I was like, Ooh, okay. That's and mean. I think we like to think that our favorite <laughs> celebrities are all just the coolest people. But I just have to think that that kind of attention, that kind of notoriety, that kind of, media spotlight, fan spotlight, it has to do something to you to go, ugh, I really just fucking hate people. And I kind of understand it. At the same time, there are people that are demonstrably awesome every time you meet them or every time you see them interact with people. And you go, it is possible to not be that way. I understand it, but it is possible to not be that way. I'm I'm of two minds on this because uh, I've actually posted this before, but I, I am a big fan of meet your fucking heroes. Mm-hmm. And if your heroes are shitty, then get new heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, but be careful about how you meet them. If you're mm-hmm. forcing yourself 
into them, like while they're having dinner. You you didn't meet him and he was an asshole. You You literally, yeah. And if anybody had done that to you, you would have reacted just as poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the flip side of that is, um, I I guess, yeah, I, I guess at the end of the day, like I think about William Shatner came into my restaurant one time. It was at the airport. Seriously? Yeah. He was waiting for a flight. He came in and he was clearly not into like talking to anybody. Denny Crane. Right. Like, I mean, we we had an item on the menu that had con in the name and I was like, oh my God, please tell me you're going to order it. But he sat there and there was a dude who had been sitting there. His flight had gotten delayed. So he was just crushing sake. Yep. No, so he goes, holy shit, fucking Captain Kirk. And I just oh, watched all the it. blood drain out of his face. Well, of course. And then he like moved over and he's like, dude. Fucking, can I, why don't you just take the Starship Enterprise? Why do you even take a fucking flight? Like, no. oh my God, here, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And he gets his phone out and he immediately no. starts taking a video. No. And yep. William Shatner just put his menu down, got up and walked away. Of course. This dude calls his friend. He's like, man, I just met William Shatner. He's a fucking dick. And I literally, I waited till he got off the phone and I went over and I gave him a fucking lecture. And the dipshit immediately jumped on our website and gave me a one-star Yelp review. Of course he did. Because uh, all I care about is Hollywood elites and blah, blah, blah. Like that – I think about that a lot. I think that William Shatner probably is an abject asshole given what his values are. But the fact was like that dude was just coming in to quietly get a bowl of soup. Yes. But while he was waiting for a flight and wanted to go, he sat in the corner. He did – he had his hat pulled low. Yep. His jacket zipped up. He was yep. trying to do everything to say, please don't bother me. Yes. And that dude had to do that. I, I don't fault him for that reaction, and I think he probably did the best thing possible. He just got up and yep. walked didn't, away. Didn't say anything. Nope. Didn't yell at him. Didn't yep. tell him to get the fuck out of there. He just got up and walked yep. away. And Honestly, like, I can't imagine what that life experience nope. would be like. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. My kids, I really hope when I, like, when I look at my kids and what they want to do and any child that has aspirations to be famous or a pro athlete, I haven't yet figured out a way to do this. But I want to look at them and say, for the love of God, I hope this never happens for you. Yeah. Because if you knew what this life was like, you would never wish it on your worst enemy. It's yep. just a terrible way to live. Mm-hmm. High rates of suicide, Addiction. high rates of divorce, because it's impossible to make any kind of relationship work in that kind of mm-hmm. Petri dish. Just be a normal human and be really great to people. Like, be... Overly fucking kind to people. Like, I'll plug my current favorite fucking television show. Mirror Ted Lasso. <laughs> I have had so many people... Hold on. We have to we have to put a plug on that because I won't, Ted's maybe, coming up. Hey, what? Well, I will zip it. No, what, what, no what? wait. We wait. I, I'm just... I can't stop myself. I'm sorry. Crinkle fries. <laughs> you don't like crinkle fries? Crinkle fries, when done properly, are the right. best French fry. There's no question. Who makes the best crinkle fry? St. Dinette. Agreed. And the risk-reward, it's, it's, it's like the crazy trick that the diver does at the Olympics, where if they nail it, it's tens across the board. Yes. But the- it's got to taste crinkly, too. <laughs> yes. It can't be flaccid. Yes. But a perfectly done... Uh, dude, I bought a crinkle, cry, uh, crinkle fry knife. Marnie doesn't know this yet. Sorry, Marnie. <laughs> But I bought I bought the rigid knife. Is that that's the kind that's it. like a potato masher? It's like a no, like, it's just a knife, but it's rigid to make really crinkle fries. Because you can like, use it for decoupage. I remember the crinkle fry cutter being that's right carrot cutter that looked like a potato masher. It's it the same like, fucking thing, right? Yeah, in effect. But yes. so when a crinkle fry is done properly, it's got all those nooks and crannies. You want that extra crispy outside. Mm-hmm. 
It's got to have the appropriate thickness so that the inside is nice and floofy. And then the shortness of them as well, because if you make them, you know, the size they should be, it should be about two and a half, two inches long. They get yeah, but a good if one, you long, double right? fry it, right? And I like them fat fried, like a, a double fat fried, two inch long, fresh chopped russet crinkle fry that is fried in duck fat. Mm. And salted to to bejesus, like it, so, a crazy, crazy amount of salt. And then for me, I am a Heinz guy. I don't like aiolis unless you've proven your aioli to me. Sure. It's test your might in Mortal Kombat, you know what I mean? I'll try your aioli, but I'm probably going to hate it. But if your aioli is good on a fry like the aioli at Al Cheval, Al Cheval, the greatest fucking burger spot on earth. Oh. Their aioli, spectacular. The fucking aioli at uh, Parlor. Don't do it, Quam. Please, one the time. Fried bologna's good too, oh, Charles. This bastard guy. So <laughs> the the, uh, the dude, the aioli, the um, the cheese aioli <laughs> at Parlor. Yeah, I'll give you that. The cheese aioli Parlor is stupidity. It's basically like a thick, gunky cheese yeah. sauce. That's uh-huh. that's dumb. But for me, I need just give me that Heinz ketchup, and then because I, I want that acidity and the tomatoey flavor, uh, and I like how that offsets typically when I have my fries with uh, like a burger or a sandwich of some sort. I just want that element on the side. I had some today. I went to I went to dipped in debris and I had their oyster po' boy, which Did is spectacular. No, but the okay. having ketchup with the fries, they yeah. have incredibly well seasoned, really beautiful, like thin McDonald's style, like the, like there. the thin fries, you know. Yeah, and they have like this melange of seasoning on it, including like a little bit of sugar. Which usually I'm like, what are you doing? But they just put just a little bit, must be brown sugar, yeah. and then lots of like fleck black pepper, tons of salt, maybe like a little oregano or something. Yeah. And then like, their oyster, their corn fried fresh oysters. They do this for their anniversary every year uh, with on like this really beautiful crispy white bread uh, roll with um, slaw that has a shallot vinaigrette and uh, tarragon aioli on, on the roll itself. Mamma mia. Tarragon aioli is delicious. Absolutely. So if I can add one thing, and I just remembered this when you mentioned duck fat. Fuck having, fat, as my iPhone says, yeah. Having been a sausage slinger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get that one right, iPhone. And, and I think a pretty good one at that. I had a Holy Grail meal. On the way back from picking up a vehicle for my sister... In Buffalo, New York, I had the good fortune in the off-season with my hot dog cart to drive a vehicle back from Buffalo through Ohio, stopped and took a picture at the Sandusky sign, because I am a comically huge fan of Tommy Boy. As you do. I stopped in Chicago and went to Hot Dogs. Oh, yeah. For those of you that never got a chance to experience Hot Dogs, you fucking missed out. Because not only was the food exceptional, but Doug Soames... Is a fucking gem of a human being. I walked up to the counter and I said, this is like a holy grail meal for me. I said, I do happen to run. This is maybe my second year in business. I do happen to run a hot dog cart up in Minnesota. And I said, I've been a huge fan of what you do. And this is a holy grail meal for me. And he goes, God bless you, dude. He goes, if I had a hot dog cart, he goes, I'd never fucking make any money. He said, because oh, it's cloudy. I'm not going out. Oh, it's a little <laughs> bit cold. I'm not fucking going out. <laughs> So he charged me a comically low amount for, I think, three sausages. And it, happened to, and it happened to be a Friday. So it was the foie dog 
and the ooh, duck fat ooh. fried fr- French fries. Oh my god! Ooh. And I got a there. large order Jesus. of French fries. And Charles knows that we both can crush a comically large amount of food when we're in it. I ate all that shit, and those French fries with no ketchup, banging, were absolutely fucking out of sight. That's amazing. They banging. were amazing. So that's my answer. I do love every form of fry if it's done properly, yeah. including waffle, even though it's bullshit. But if someone makes their own waffle fry, they can be good. Mm-hmm. I just it's it's a little fussy. Like there's too much room and things and nooks and crannies and stuff. But I like a waffle fry when somebody makes a sauce for it. Sure, for sure. And don't tell me about fucking seasoned sour cream. I know right, you don't like it, like it, but it's if like you scoops, make, right? Yep. You get all that yep. topping. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's almost like between. So the reason I like the seasoned sour cream is because it's a waffle fry is basically between a ruffle chip and a, a fry. Mm-hmm. And if someone makes their own seasoned sour cream with like lots of lemon in it, I just I love the experience of eating it. I don't want that with my burger. No. But I will order that as like a, an appetizer. Sure. But I couldn't tell you anyone that makes a good one. Yeah. But I do love, shoestring fries. My God, we have some really good spots here. You know, Whitey's. Has always made an exceptional the bomb shoestring fry, and now a couple blocks away, I'll say I did say that their burger wasn't as good as a lot of people think that it is. Stepchild, the burger's good. It's not the 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 area now has so many great ones, but their shoestring fries are elite. So really we, great. This will date me a little bit, but my wife and I would always find a cool foodie place to take our kids, all five of them, on a day where like we'd go to the museum. Something like that. We were in St. Paul. Let's say we'd been at the History Center. And there were a couple locations of these restaurants. And the one in St. Paul was called Pop. And the interior. Oh, yeah. Dude, that place Pop? was incredible. And it was all like Andy Warhol pop yep. art type stuff. Yep. And they did shoestring fries. I will agree with you. And my kids crushed every last fucking mm-hmm. fry. I ate the crumbs. It was unbelievable. And it only lasted, the fries were only good for like a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the restaurant disappeared. But it was so freaking good. I forgot about That's that. That's like JoJo's totally too. Yep. That was the best Former guest of the show. Tyler Johnson, his fucking spot, Sonder Shaker. Mm-hmm. They do JoJo's with their incredible smash burger. Really? And, but you got to have a JoJo on the spot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jojo on the spot, baby. You got to have it. They when die quick. It comes out, yeah, because they steam themselves. Because mm-hmm. there's so much of that fluffy. There's it's mashed are potatoes like the in the middle. Wedge fries, the wedges, right? yeah, yeah, they're the wedges. With a ton but of theirs seasoning. are, yep, oh. theirs are like beautifully seasoned and super crispy on the outside. Shout out and to right Tyler when and the Frank. burger, right when that, yeah, Frankie boy, Frankie. when when the plate hits the table with that burger and the burger will burn your face. Mm-hmm. Start eating the fries. They're going to burn your face too, but you have to start eating mm-hmm. them. So burn your tongue a little bit on the fries, then burn your tongue just a little bit less on the burger, then burn your tongue a little less on the fry, and then don't burn your tongue <laughs> on the burger, and then that. and then you're done. And then, <laughs> num, 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 and then I love that. smash some cocktails and go home. Can I just add, this is bringing it back a little bit, but uh, I almost called you because I had lunch at Tipton uh, Debris today, oh, and, you I, did? and I left, really? I left, I got in my car, and I drove to an account, and okay. the buyer wasn't there yet, so I was just sitting in the car waiting, and literally while I was sitting in the car, you're picture popped up what time were you there uh it was 12 okay i showed up at like 150 no i so. no i take that back it was 12 30 okay because i got in the car and it was mm-hmm. 12 31 and i was like fuck he's gonna be there at one well i'll just drive there and see if he's early and he wasn't so i was just hanging out mm. and then it like while i was waiting for him yours popped up would you have a dipped in debris i had the dipped i was craving it hey, we had to do a discussion on beautiful. a facebook thread where it's delicious uh, Trish Gavin was talking about how good the dipped at Al's Beef in Chicago was. Mm. No. And that was where I learned you put your elbows down, you, you 
You lean away. You lean well, uh-huh. and you kick your legs out as far uh-huh. as you can comfortably. You form yes. like an A-frame. Yes. Look out for the shrapnel. Yeah. And then you go in and. I had a I had an incredibly beautiful and an incredibly drunk afternoon there one time, and uh, we literally made so we made friends with everybody that was working there, and uh, at one part there is a video somewhere around here of us having a huge dance party to a ludicrous song. Uh, they let us behind the counter. It was fucking wild. Let's just say for the for the sake of posterity, making friends with the staff and servers at a restaurant is the fucking most amazing thing hands down ever. I will even say one of the things I learned from some friends of my wife and I, we went to a dinner with them and they came to the restaurant with a case of like pony Miller High Lives and a bottle of cheap ass bottle of bourbon. And they said for the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I went, that is a fucking great idea. Everywhere I travel, I I check a suitcase and I bring beer with from Minnesota and where like wherever I'm excited about going where I planned. I show up and I just give them a six pack or a twelve pack and I say, "Hey, I've been looking forward to this for so long. I just wanted to give you some props to say yes. thanks for being amazing." So we went to Birch Steakhouse, God rest their soul. R.I.P. Uh, right with yep. my daughter Grace, whose birthday present every year is steak at a fantastic restaurant. So she picked Birch Steak, and I went, "Let's play." We get there, and. The server hadn't come by yet to take our drink orders. She finally comes, and literally within 10 seconds of her taking our drink order, three appetizers come out to the table. Probably 16 oysters on the half shell. I forget what else. A couple more appetizers. And my daughter leans in, and being in the food industry, if people recognize you or they know you from somewhere else, they often will give you freebies from the kitchen. So that's kind of a thing. She goes, Dad, who do you know here? I went, I don't think I know anybody. So what did I do? Text Charles. Mm-hmm. Say, Charles, do we know anybody at Birch Steakhouse? He's like, honestly, I don't. Excuse me. I don't think we do. And I went, well, who cares? This is amazing. All of a sudden, we put in our orders for our main dishes, steak, what have you. And this guy suddenly appears at the table. And it's the chef. And I'm, I apologize. I'm blanking on his name. But he had had my hot dogs. Like Isaac Becker or like was Isaac okay. Becker. It was his chef. His CDC? Yep. Sure. Comes to the table and he says, I just want to thank you. I had your hot dogs at Fulton's Grand Fondo. He said, I fucking love what you do. Your service, your whole thing was amazing. We're going to take good care of you tonight. And I went, well, the Fondo had been just the weekend before. I said, well, that's it. And I said, how cool, though, that somebody who I didn't know felt that what I did left an impact. That meant more to me than really anything. I looked at my wife and I said, I was an idiot. We should have brought like the welcome gift. So I got up from Birch, walked out the door, around the building. To Lowry Hill? To Lowry Hill. Yeah. And I got a fucking case of Miller High Life and a 175 of some cheap-ass bourbon. Shout out to my dude, Nate, who's one of the coolest people that works in the liquor store industry. He's amazing. And I walked back with that shit in my arms, and I walked in, and I walked right into the kitchen, and I said, I should have done this right away. We appreciate everything mm-hmm. that you guys are doing for us. This is for you guys. And I kid you not, when our server came back, she goes, that 175 is gone already. <laughs> and I was like, hot Perfect. damn. Perfect. But it's the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, you walk, like if you're going to go have a good meal, 
bring something fun for the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Not because you're going to get free food, but mm-hmm. because they're working their asses off to make sure your experience is amazing. Bring them some fun shit. And Especially go. somewhere you know and love, too. Yes. Just like, hey, guys. Thank you for the meal we're going to have. They spend their entire profession creating the food that fuels your best night ever. Give them a reason to, and, re- to remember why they're doing it and who they're doing it for. And I would bet you dollars to donuts that they will invariably murder you with food. Can I just have dollars and donuts? Yes, you can. All right. Dollars and donuts. Uh, are we cool if we uh, grab Let's another? Yeah. Oh, Shotsky. What are you uh, drinking over there? Yeah. Well, I thought we were. I thought we were. I thought we were segueing into the next question, so I jumped the gun a little bit. Boop. Aqua weed. God, I fucking love this shit. Cheers, gents. Bottoms up. Love you guys. Skull. Love you too, pal. One of the myriad reasons why I love you. My good man, is uh, you have an incredibly infectious laugh. I love anybody. Uh, years and years ago, uh, somebody had asked what the people in my life have in common, and another friend of mine uh, actually said everyone that Ben knows has a, like that he loves has a great laugh. And oh, I that's awesome! One hundred percent love it. There's nothing that I love more. <laughs> See, there's nothing that I love more than like when somebody has a laugh that makes other people <laughs> laugh, even if they didn't hear it. It's yeah. fucking amazing. So. I wanted to throw one out, and again, we can buy time because this is kind of a weird question. Uh, I love to collect like stories and memories of when I laughed so hard I was crying. Yes. I am an easy crier at sad things, but I'm also a very easy crier when it comes to laughing. Uh-huh. Uh, can you think of a time recently that you laughed so hard you were crying or a story from a long time ago where it still is in like the top five, top ten hardest you've ever laughed? I'll have two. Beauty. Recently? And I and I can't pinpoint the episode. No, actually, I can. We were watching one of the Tom Segura <laughs> Netflix comedy specials, and he had a joke that made me laugh so fucking hard that I was literally almost off the couch. They're like, Dad, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, it's fucking hilarious. The one that's years ago... And, and I did literally fall off the fucking couch. My first experience with Strange Brew. Oh, fuck yes. And I was with a group of guys. They're like, oh, that movie. we're going to watch Strange Brew. I'm like, what the hell is Strange Brew? <laughs> well, you're welcome. And they kind of explained it a little bit. And then we got into it. Can't explain it. And I, I, I not only fell off the couch once, I fell off the couch three times. <laughs> like literally laughing so hard, I couldn't catch my breath. And I talk about this movie now, and people feeling. still haven't seen this movie. Ugh. And I'm like, seriously, you haven't seen Strange Brew? Why would you take off your hoser? Seriously. So, <laughs> as a parent, to hear Bob and Doug McKenzie voice the characters of the two moose in the <laughs> Disney movie Brother Bear, <laughs> so perfect, literally made my year. And that's Brother Bear is, if you haven't seen it, a comically hilarious movie. They play these two moose. And they're like, seriously, like you're like a really big beaver, eh? I mean, they're hilarious. If you haven't watched this movie, it's fucking, it's hysterical. But to watch a movie and go, oh my gosh, girls, at some point we will watch Strange Brew. I still, to this day, in random places, at beer fests, in empty stadiums, I will go, and we'll wait to see if somebody will answer back with, how often does that happen? It happened once. Oh, one time. And it okay. made my freaking year. I was like, yes! Free hot dog. It was amazing. 
So if you haven't seen Strange Brew, you're welcome. Also, how dope is it that like Canadian guerrilla comedy ended ended up being so mainstream that like a Disney movie had them right? voicing Meese. Meeson. Seriously, dude, give M- her a jelly. No, dude, it's my last one. Give her the jelly. All right. And he gives her the jelly donut, and she opens a drawer, and it's filled with fucking donuts. It's amazing. We found this here, mouse in our beer. Dollars and donuts, baby. That you could get, like, a free 12-pack. I mean, case of beer for this. Hold on. I'm looking. Nope, it's not streaming anywhere. I just use Just Watch. Great app, by the way. That's the best app. Yep. Just to see if I use it every single day. I do recommend this to everybody. It's fantastic. Just Watch. uh, If you want to know what it's it's on, go to Just Watch. There you go. It's not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it. So those are the two things. Love it. Yep. Love it. Yep. Charles? So I'll go ahead and uh, double down on the the comedy thing as well, because the hardest I've ever laughed at a comedy bit was Paul F. Tompkins' Peanut Brittle bit. Uh, I had to pull over a car on a road trip really? because it was the first time I heard it <laughs> so in the car. Fucking great. I couldn't. I have not heard this. Oh my god! Just podcast or podcast? No, Paul F. Tompkins stand-up. Okay, uh, a comic who is on like Mr. Show and has been in a lot of shows. You'd recognize him if you saw him. If you don't know him, if you're listening to this, but he's got a bit uh, from one of his old stand-up shows about peanut brittle. Just look up, go on YouTube, Paul F. Tompkins, peanut gonna, brittle. So fucking good absolutely made me lose my fucking mind when I heard it. I could not breathe. My girlfriend at the time was like, what are you doing? Because I, I had to pull the car over. And like literally pull over. Buried my 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 face in my hands, and I was <laughs> losing it. Like shaking uncontrollably. Like if someone assaulted us, I probably would have been powerless to stop them because it was so funny that that's the only thing I could think about. And she was like half asleep, and I don't think was even listening. So she's like, "What are you doing, dude?" And I was just like, "I." I, 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 I." And then of course I rewound it, even though I was listening to the whole show. I rewound it. She listened to, and she lost her shit too. Not as hard as I did. I don't have to pull over for her. She's in the passenger seat. But it was it was gnarly. That listen to that bit after the show. Listen to this program (laughs) until its conclusion, and then and then listen. I'm going to share one more after Kwame sharing. Oh uh, no! Then no, I'm going to say. Oh, you, also, got, you have so yours, the comedy the, thing, yeah, right? Because yeah. I'm not going to. We can't recite bits; they got to deliver, right? Right. Uh, Kwame and I, when we talked about this, because Kwame has asked this question many times, and I always get tripped up by it because I've laughed harder than I can control myself so many times. It's just that it's hard to uh, recount to memory occasions that are, this occurred. Last time I had to think of it on the fly. I forgot who we were talking to. But I talked about the time at Shell's that I fell on my ass and slid all the way down a hill. And I was all covered in mud, but I didn't spill my beer. And how everyone got like a huge kick out of that. And it was pretty hilarious. So I don't fall often, but when I do, I do it spectacularly. And when I was at the cabin last week, uh, I took three of my friends to the cabin. Uh, a friend of mine is overcoming some major health issues and hasn't done anything all summer. And we decided, let's let's get the band back together. And four of us who were very close uh, when we were teenagers and have not spent an extended period of time together for over a decade, all went to the cabin for four days and grilled and bonfired and fished and did all the things that one does at a cabin. And, of course, much of uh, that weekend was comprised of us reminiscing, talking about punching, getting punched, ladies uh hijinks you know pranking teachers all the stuff that one that a person recounts from when they were young and dumb and we were sitting in the uh living room of the farmhouse that we were staying in and two of the boys were staying upstairs uh and and one of them brandon had been there with me when this happened and i had to tell the story of 
one time we were at the cabin. There was a bunch of us in the farmhouse. We were drinking in the living room. I went upstairs uh, to change, I think. I don't know. It was very late. It was like 4 a.m. I was at the top of the stairs, and there's no way to grab a hand railing. And they had just purchased this farmhouse, and I think all the floors had just been waxed. So <laughs> at the top of these incredibly steep steps, I, I feel went, like I feel like right now we're reading the stage direction yes, in a script. Dude. <laughs> yes, like un- we know where it's going. Freshly waxed stairs. Yep. I took a false step. I was only in my boxer briefs. Oh no! And my legs flew out from beneath me. My buttocks <laughs> hit like the third step down. <laughs> And I tried oh, no. to control it as one does. <laughs> so I twisted to my side and bounced all the way down on my hip. Like very violently bounced down. Probably every other step because I was I was bounding. Bouncing. And the door itself was closed at the bottom of the steps but doesn't latch, which is good because I probably would have been way more severely injured. Yes. But what ended up happening was I blasted through the door. <laughs> you just vanished. Like fucking, like, like Kramer on cocaine. Yes. I blasted through the door and the yeah. way I landed was my legs pushed the door mm-hmm. open because I think I sort of half instinctively like pushed my legs out and I landed on the rug in the middle of the living room in my boxer briefs with like eight people standing around holding a drink in their hands listening to music <laughs> with my legs flayed out spread eagle because I had just kicked the door open and I made like the O face like like the <laughs> and looked around at everybody and they were like oh what? my god are you alright <laughs> and I got up and hurriedly the bathroom is literally the next door right to the corner there I turned around <laughs> and I went and I checked myself and yeah. there was like blood on my hand and my hip was like instantly bruised and then I came out and I was like I'm fine I'm fine <laughs> I went upstairs and like put some more clothes on which was smart and then I came downstairs and we all fucking laughed our asses off because it was stupid and everyone was like dude the look on your face you were like Woo! Like an O face, like oh. Well, and getting that kind of a surprise out of you is not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was That's you so gotta, amazing. you gotta, you always gotta I laugh at your that. own expense. You, you, you have to. The funniest shit. To. The funniest shit usually is, is the best comics do that. You have to have some humility and laugh at yes. your own stupidity, and that's exactly what happened. Self-deprecation, right? That's fucking that's beautiful. Hundred percent. What was the what was the one you were gonna have? So, <laughs> in your question, you would ask like recent humor, and then like years past. Well, in that interim, my girls have all been involved in theater, uh, some musical, some straight drama. Well, one night after a show, we were taking home one of my oldest daughter's good friends. And I don't know what sparked this conversation, but he brought up, well, have you guys ever heard the comedy bit about the salt and pepper diner? We're like, (laughs) no. He goes, pull up Spotify, type in salt and pepper diner, and you're welcome. Have either of you heard the salt and pepper diner bit? Yeah, because we've talked about this many Correct. times. So I, I'm, you guys have. <laughs> well, and also I had previously heard it, yes. John Mulaney does a bit about a diner in <laughs> Lincoln Park, Chicago. And it is arguably, for me, the funniest thing I've heard ever. Because it's just so fucking simple and so brilliant about how you take a normal, everyday moment... When he was 11 years old, he and his friend John, and he actually says in the bit, and I have to clarify, I also have a friend John. I'm not referring to myself in the third person. Didn't have an imaginary friend. They go to the Salt and Pepper Diner where the jukebox had three plays for a dollar. And we put in $7, 
and selected 21 plays of Tom Jones's What's New Pussycat? <laughs> and then we ordered and waited. And it is the funniest fucking bit. Don't give the rest because we won't. Because someone should listen. So you yeah, all have to go to and listen to. I have friends who've done this before. John actually. Mulaney's Salt and Pepper Diner. But what made that moment even better? <laughs> my wife and I moved four miles away from Coon Rapids to Anoka. And the day we closed on our house, my wife looked at me and said, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's go to Chicago. And it, within an hour, we had an Airbnb we had packed and we were on the road. We get to Chicago. We're the first guests at this Airbnb. It turns out this Airbnb is a like historical architect's building, like a recognizable architect. Super fucking cool space. I park our car using the Spot Hero app under the L. And it's raining, so I like run back to the Airbnb, walk up. We, we have our night. We go to bed. The next day, we're trying to figure out where to go for breakfast, and our girls want brunch, which is like sweet waffles, that sort of thing. I'm a savory breakfast guy, but I'm willing to take one for the team. So we find this place that's a little bit further north or northwest on Lincoln Boulevard. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it's called Berries and Waffles or Waffles and Berries, some shit like that. Real quick. Clubbing Lincoln in. Boulevard represent represent Zen. represent. We come out of our Airbnb, walk across the street, and we start walking towards this breakfast place. All of a sudden, my wife hits me in the arm, and I'm like, "What?" She goes, hits me really hard, and says, "Look!" And I turn to my right, and what do I behold? But the fucking salt and pepper diner, <laughs> literally there around the corner from our fucking <laughs> Airbnb. And it's closed because for a number of years it was part of a set for like Chicago Fire, Chicago BD, some, one of the major TV shows set in Chicago. They bought this place and used it as like a restaurant location. So we take a picture, send it to the other girls in our family. You're never going to believe what we just saw. And there's the Salt and Pepper Diner. Go listen to the John Mulaney Salt and Pepper Diner bit. Fucking brilliant, and it's it is brilliant. It's, it's, I I love John Mulaney. Absolutely brilliant. I'm obsessed with him because I don't feel like he wastes a single word or syllable. Like yeah, everything. He tried is. to remake Seinfeld and it didn't work. He's absolutely comedy gold. Guys, he's he's incredible. I I do feel like I need to make up for uh, retelling a story. So I'll go with. Uh, we were surprised the last day in Atlanta. Another friend of mine drove down a couple hours from. Uh, like sort of vineyard country, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I did not know that northern Georgia has like a bunch of pretty decent wineries. Right? Yeah, it's good uh, to know. My uh, brother-in-law lives there. Apparently, the the climate down there is borderline um, like rainforest climate, so okay. they get a ton of rain. And then the farther north you get, the higher the elevation gets, and it actually makes for growing decent grapes. Really? I had a couple of glasses of wine that I was like, "Oh shit, okay." Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, again, not going to. We're not challenging France right now, but yes. it was much better than what we currently have on deck. In, in Minnesota. Minnesota. And uh, he's originally from Wales. And uh, one weekend when his, uh, his band was playing, um, his mom and dad decided to come visit. Because they had heard about me and they were staying at our house that night. And so uh, his mom and dad wanted to come hang. And they got till midnight and she was just dying. She's like, I got to go. So he's like, all right, I'm going to walk her back to the, the hotel and then I'll be back. And we're like, yeah, right. Well, sure as shit, like one thirty rolls around. He's back. He comes strolling in here. So this dude at the time, Dylan Termis was uh, probably 61, 62. And he comes sauntering in and the night ends. And he's like, well, where are we going, lads? 
I'm like, I mean, do you want to come to an after bar at my apartment? Like, okay. (laughs) So we're hanging out, waiting for everybody to finish counting money so we can all leave. And there were a few young ladies. The gentlemen in the band were quite attractive human beings. And there were a few ladies that were hoping to to stick around. One decided to, (laughs) to go to the restroom. And Dylan comes walking around the corner and looks at the other one and goes, where'd your friend go? She fancy a dump? And the girl goes, what? She goes, is your friend having a shit? <laughs> having a shit. We were yeah. just fucking dying. That girl gets offended. They both take off. We gather everybody. We go back to my apartment. Uh, everybody grabbed whatever beer they had. And, you know, we're just filling the fridge and whatever. And a couple of the coworkers were still in college. And so they had cold 45 cans. So we start cracking those. As one does in college. And he was convinced that finally I have a proper American lager. And uh, the guitars come out, and everybody's kind of playing some cover songs, and turns out some of our security staff knew how to play shit. And <clears throat> Dylan's just sitting there, just kind of watching. And he's like, you lads mind if I play a song? And he stands up. So at this point, like a bunch of the security guards, these giant men, are sitting like crisscross applesauce on the floor, everybody else is on the couches. And he puts his guitar on and he starts talking about the history of Wales. And, you know, we've been ruled over by a bunch of people, but we have our own language. And, you know, we have our own poets and we have our own limericks and we have our own songs. And I, I, uh, I, I know a lot of you in, in, in the States maybe don't know about that. And you know about Ireland and the Troubles, but you don't know about Wales. And, you know, maybe you don't know the struggles of Scotland. Y'all seen Braveheart or some shite. We don't have a movie, you know. So I was wondering if... Uh, if it'd be all right if I, I played a song of my people, uh, you know, just something. It, it, it means a lot to us, and, and maybe you guys would be into it. And everybody's just rapped, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he goes through this, like, 30-second intro, and it's just beautiful. And then the song starts, and the lyrics are, <laughs> Last night I laid in my bed, and I played with my plunker, and it was grand. La, 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 la. <laughs> and everybody's like, wait, does plunker mean what I think? Think it? And he's just like, last night, and does it again. Because he goes in, into the pre chorus, which is the up and the down strokes, the oh. long and the short, bang it, smash it up against the wall, hopping it, jumping it, it doesn't matter at all. Some people think that sexual intercourse is grand. But for personal satisfaction, I will always use my hand. Oh, and he no. takes his fucking guitar off and then just goes and gets another beer. Tears. Tears. And I was fucking done. Tears. I was crawling around on the carpet. So, so at That's this point, amazing. at this point, he is a local hero in my apartment with like 25 people, right? Of course. Everybody's chanting. He did like 15 other, like just dirty, dirty limerick songs. Mm-hmm. So he goes home uh, like three days later. He friends me on Facebook. And he's like, I had such a great time at your place. You know, uh, I'm going to send you that song. I'm like, all right. Okay. This dude built his studio in his apartment or in his, in his flat, in his house. And he actually recorded a full version of the Plunker song. Five fucking minutes long. I'm just repeating it over and over. I need to I just sent it to us. I will gladly share it with you. Is there an orchestral version? It's just a dude drunk on Stella. Getting fucking hammered in his little like uh, bedroom studio. I and just goofing. And just goofing. <laughs> I love day, that he came back. I, I still I'll run into some of those guys. Like everybody from that security staff went on to do like cool big shit. And every time I run into any one of them, the first thing that'll come up when we like, hey, how long has it been, man? It's been a long time. Yeah, 
You remember when that fucking old Welsh dude that showed Welsh up? Welsh guy showed up and sang dirty song songs? Jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> so to Dylan Termas, I love you the most. Uh, he also, uh, I, I will, if I get it, I will share it with you guys as well. He also um, did a wedding song for my friend Steve, who I stayed with down there, um, called The Third Hole from the Ear. Uh, <laughs> it is a very beautiful wedding song about how sometimes anal's better. Oh, no. <laughs> and again, he did the same. He prefaced it so beautifully, and he's dressed to the nines. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing he's he's one of the great like i have literally only hung out with this guy for one day in my entire life but what an impact he made we've been friends for 13 years on social media how crazy is that and to this day we still give each other shit i love that the very first message that i got on on facebook when i went to atlanta we posted one picture and he asked what it was like hanging with Petey Petey the pedo which is what he called my friend steve oh no pedo (laughs) Petey the pedo yeah, that's uh, the Plunkett song. That's amazing. <laughs> that's delightful. What was this guy's name? Dylan Termas. Dylan Termas. <laughs> I do also want to add selfishly that I made Nate Spitik at the State Fair, but you I don't. Did. Even, I don't even remember what the hell I said. Wasn't it apparently? <laughs> it was probably apparently. And I had. I have never done this in my life. He I took a big swig <laughs> of. I think cider. it was a cider, like a yeah. Sweetland Orchard cider. Right. And Charles goes, apparently, and I literally blew fine misted cider oh. over the whole fucking table. I'm a spit take king, man. I love oh it. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's it's I made good. someone spit take like two weeks later, too, and I was like, damn, I'm on a streak You're here. on a roll, dude. I'm on a spit take streak. I, I blew the whole table with cider. Oh, man. Well, let's do a shot ski and get into our yep. final question. Final it's question. the final question. This, this shot's a I apologize shot. to everybody listening right now. Those guys actually, here's what's funny. So Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson signed with AEW. Wrestling geek shit right now. He signed with, yeah. there you go, buddy. Thank you. He signed with AEW and uh, he uses flight. In WWE, he's a version of flight of the... I always get this wrong. Uh, I, I always want to say Flight of the Concords. The song is Flight, Flight of, of the, the Bumblebee. Valkyries. Oh, the, oh, Flight the of the Valkyries, Valkyries right? Oh, a version, yeah. so the a old version World of War II and Valkyries. <laughs> Correct. And uh, when he was in the Indies many years ago, he used Final Countdown as his theme song. And AEW inquired with Europe about using Final Countdown. And they said, you can use it. They were very un- He was unclear on this podcast, but he said they basically said he could use it. 20 times in a year, and it was some six figures. <laughs> oh, Dude. That's their only source of revenue. Yeah, but like, come on. let him, Well, bring it back to the public consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh-huh. Anyways, question number six. Number six. Number six. Nate. Nate. Which fictional character... Would you like to spend a night out drinking with, and why is it Ted Lasso? Oh, it's for sure. <laughs> that's, well, Ted Lasso. That's why I formed the question in the way for that sure. I did. <laughs> because that fucking guy is the kindest, most hilarious human being that is currently on television. Put that in print. I have gotten so many people. Who are not 
generally fans of kind of hokey, happy-go-lucky, sentimental, quirky humor have watched that show and have privately messaged me either by text or via Instagram to say, dude, I now literally paid for Apple TV or I went deep down the rabbit hole. Thank you for this show. Wait, did we this take a show shot? is amazing. We did not. We shoot. shoot. <laughs> Cheers. To Ted. Cheers, Cheers to Ted Lasso. To Ted show. fucking Lasso. And last year we needed, we needed a feel-good show and that's what they gave us. We did. And what's great is they don't shy away from the hard stuff of life. They don't shy away it's from not just. panic attacks, of which Ted Lasso's character has oh, don't, whip, whip. some. The salty and the sweet. The salty and the sweet. Yeah. It's an amazing show. And it's the humor is great. I grew up never cussing. Like, guys on my soccer team in high school literally once asked me on a bus. They're like, wait a minute. And guys in high school always called guys by the last name, at least in my high school in sports. Sure. Dude, Beck never swears. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dude, Beck, fucking say a swear word. Say, like, shit or something. And it was just a thing. I just never say swore. Say shit. <laughs> now I have decided that all the best people I know, all the kindest people, swear like fucking sailors. So I have let the floodgates loose, and I don't give a shit anymore. But that show, Ted Lasso does such an amazing job of, one, not only writing brilliant comedy and brilliant human interaction, but they do such an amazing job of bringing light to the basic aspects of the human condition. It's worth anybody watching. I would I would drink with that guy in a fucking heartbeat. It's I, such, yeah, a, such I, an amazing show. That was that was the clear and present answer. I was like, yeah, I think. Yep. And, and you guys would get on uh, like old friends because I see so much of Ted Lasso in you, which it contributed to my enjoyment of it. And you were the one who first recommended it to me, you know, like the first season was pretty fresh. But you had already burned all the way through it, and you were like, you got to check the show out. And then I watched it, and I was like, well, I turned to Marty, and I was like, well, I can see why Nate loves this show. And it's because Nate and Ted Lasso share a lot of personality traits. Uh, so, like, when when I watch Ted Lasso, and um, he's at the forefront, and they're going through his, his story arcs, it makes me think a lot about you, his mannerisms, the way he talks and stuff, and also, like... Uh, his his bounding uh, positivity, but also you know he's a human. And there there are things that he also has to work through. Yeah. So I always think of you. That's why also uh, not to I jump sure not, not to jump your route, but also in watching the show, Roy Ken instantly reminded me of myself. Yeah. And I think that all the fucking absolutely. Time. I, yeah. Uh, a lot of people have friends of mine particularly have texted me and been like oh, I fucking Roy, hate it. Roy Kent must be modeled after you especially old friends of mine and the, the great thing now being uh, current to the second season and you know I don't want to spoil anything but his his story arc is a lot like uh, I think my my adult life because I was grumpy and complicated and angry and gruff and direct and I maintain some of those values today. Yes. But also seeing uh, the the formative qualities of how he is developed as an individual and a person and as a professional. Yeah. I'm like, man, that that is actually a lot and I didn't really necessarily expect that when it occurred to me and to Marnie and to like 
other friends of mine that on the first season he shared personality traits with me but what he's doing now makes me think of like growth that i had yes. in my own life yes. that i feel like maybe some in some ways parallels yes. his growth uh as a character and so that would I, that'll be my answer because we say on this podcast you can answer a question different on any given day nate's the guest his his uh ted lasso to my roy kent i would absolutely love to drink with him even though he might hate me like he hates Jamie. Yes. And I might hate him like he hates Jamie. But I bet we'd get in our cups and then probably have a pretty good I time. I think so, too. And I think <laughs> what I like about Ted Lasso is the same reason why I really like the show with Ricky Gervais called Afterlife. Oh, my sure. God. That's and so if you beautiful. haven't seen that show, also watch that show. I like that they have a considerable sense of snark and humor in dealing with really sensitive, delicate, hard issues of life, the actual grief of life, the, the really, and I know Ben, you have a really cool tie into that show, Ted Lasso. They don't shy away with the real emotion involved with what happens to real human beings. And as someone who has dealt with significant trauma, who has mental health struggles one of my big pet peeves is when somebody's going to tell you something and they, well, you know, that per- you know, he's got mental health issues. Why are you whispering? Mm-hmm. Stop whispering. Like, let's stop doing that because all that does is continue to demonize and continue to stigmatize very real things that every one of us deals with. Trauma, depression, anxiety, issues of self-worth. The more we can stop making those things hidden in the dark Mm -hmm. and the more we can bring them to the light, the more we can all start to heal and actually be able to accept our traumas and move past them or make them a part of our life and actually continue to function as a real life human being. That to me is very powerful and I like when a show is able to do that and deal with tough emotional issues and have a wide range of people watch it and say oh shit I had some really fucked up stuff happen to me when I was a kid or when I was adult or I'm dealing with some fucked up stuff and I'm watching something really cool on TV that won a shit ton of awards and they're talking about the same shit that I deal with I think that's powerful man I I couldn't agree more I, <clears throat> I, I would have a tough time having a drink with Ted Lasso because it's the character is on one hand who I aspire to be at his best and at his worst is who I'm trying not to be. Uh, we've talked about it before. I, uh, Nate, you and I have talked about it. Like I, um, the first time that he has a panic attack, I won't give any other background to it. Uh, that, actual moment and the cause of it uh happened to me twice and uh Mm. i'm lucky enough that i can put on a big enough show that i can irish goodbye and nobody has any idea and it wasn't until that episode aired that i actually texted a couple of my friends and was like hey do you remember that night when i just vanished and i didn't text you for like two days that was what had happened and if you ever get to the point where you watch that episode uh 
that's what it looks like. Yeah. And I, I love that they unflinchingly looked at that. They don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from it. Um, I love that, that season you, one. We didn't spoil it for you. Yeah, you, exactly. If you're that far behind, then you got to catch up. <clears throat> Sorry, catch man. Up. It's been long enough. <laughs> yeah. You guys seen Heat? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I also, uh, I love Brett Goldstein for his portrayal of Brett Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Yep. Roy Kent. Because Roy Kent. Roy Kent. The first time that I saw Brett Goldstein was in Ricky Gervais's series Derek. And That's he is right. he is in that. He's oh, the shit. kindest, most loving human being who's trying to take care of somebody who thinks she's broken. Yes. And is trying to convince her of her own self worth. Marty just told me he was only supposed to be a writer on He was, and I actually saw a bit about him where he was Lasso. plugging as a writer. Correct. He auditioned for the show and he said, There's no way no anyone one else is gonna him. believe me as this role because no I'm the way. kindest, nicest mm-hmm. guy. But I went for it and they bought it. And I can't Dude. imagine it. And I think that's fucking amazing. I can't, when, I can't picture anyone else in that role. I can't that, either. Like, the perfect, yep. gruff demeanor. Yes. It's, it's brilliant. Yes. It's fucking but brilliant. Watch, I think we all have that alter ego in Yes. Us. And go back and watch Derek. He's, he is everything. Like, he is kind of the heart of that episode because Ricky Gervais is playing somebody who's uh, differently abled mentally, and that's the sort of the, the the sticking point. That's the anchor that everybody else sits around. And then you have a bunch of people in a nursing home in the twilight of their lives. And then you have all these like hilariously comedic characters that are yeah. just bumbling their way through it. Yeah. And then you have one woman who's trying to like run everything to make sure that everybody's okay. And he is her love interest. And he is the kindest, most empathetic, most wonderful human. And when I saw the preview for uh, Ted Lasso, I was like, wait, what? Like, there's no fucking way I'm going to believe. And I almost have trouble going back and looking at those episodes because he's so sweet and so kind. Right. You know, and like, he's real too. Like, there's, he's not always nice, but when he's not, it's because he's heartbroken, you know? Like, and, I, I, re- I wish that I would have been able to, as a kid in junior high, and I went to junior high, not middle school. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you old enough, same. you went to junior high. So, went to grade school and middle school. Yep. Yeah. You went to grade school, middle school? Same. Mm-hmm. So I went to junior high. That's how they do it. Oh, it's Nero, grade school, junior went. high, senior high. Yes. So junior high was 7th, 8th, ninth. Now it's 6th, 7th, 8th. It was 7th, 8th for me. Okay. So I went through junior high, and I was so relentlessly bullied by two guys. If I had been able to channel the character of Roy Kent, looking back on that, that would have made my life to be able to essentially put them in their place. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have fixed anything, but it would have really felt fucking great. Fucking and I, I was the Brett Goldstein mm-hmm. kind, trying to think the best of people, always trying to look on the bright side of things. I would share snippets with my mom and she's like, well, just kill him with kindness. And so I did that and fuck it almost killed me. But I think, on some level, Ted Lasso gives me the permission, looking back on that, to go, you could have done that, and you have done that as an adult. But thank goodness that on the flip side of that trauma, that you came out still thinking the best of people. That makes me feel pretty good. I mean, it's fucking amazing. Uh, and it's funny, and maybe this is telling, because you're Roy Kent and you're Ted Lasso, <laughs> and the person that I would want to go out drinking with the most is Rebecca. 
I love. I I think Hannah Waddingham is one of the most magical humans on she's earth. Outrageous, yeah, she's delightful, but outrageous. <clears throat> somebody who's caught between what she thinks she's supposed to do, uh-huh. what she wants to do, deeply hurt, what her ego does, uh-huh. the way that she refuses to admit she's hurt, but instead decides to lash out very publicly at yes. people. Yes, that is. Her character arc is absolutely the thing that I probably identify with the most. Sure. You know, whereas Ted Lasso can be the two sides of the field for me. Sure. Where I want to be that guy, and sometimes I end up like that guy looking at left and right. Hannah Waddingham is kind of where I end up. I have, like, the way that she's fallen in love with um, Kimmy. what, What the fuck is Juno Temple's character's name? Um, Keely. 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 Yep. The way that those two have formed, like, I this have... is this is the owner of the team. Yeah, the owner of the team. Yep. Uh, because she goes out drinking, and maybe she'll be icy. Maybe she'll be super kind to everybody. Maybe she's going to end up just singing karaoke for fucking three straight songs and bringing the house and down. And she flips in a heartbeat. Yep. yep. And yep. and she's got to go. She's got to stay. Like, yeah, yep. that's Which uh... also Ted, it's similar. Some similar yeah. affectations of his. Mm-hmm. It's a really well. fucking great show. All that's, the characters, that's why it's such a wonderful show. There's mm-hmm. Every character has a lot of range in a way that you wouldn't expect early on in the show. You just thought the characters are the characters mm-hmm. in a way that, like, and dare the I, offices, perhaps? Dare mm-hmm. I tie this in? Mm-hmm. Charles knows. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers. I think there are a lot of similarities to what Mr. Rogers did with children mm-hmm. to Ted Lasso in that Mr. Rogers was, at times almost oddly weird in how he would shift conversations to his puppets Yep. in very serious circumstances, but he never shied away from the real conversations of what children and human beings are dealing with in the most genuine way to where I care about you and I want you to be a better version of yourself. I think it's just spectacular. Can't agree more. So don't watch Ted Lasso. Just leave it for us. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's uh at the end of the day, like I would pay an unforgivable amount of money to get to hang out just with that whole cast at a bar for a night. For sure. Uh I, I don't know I've, that I can think of in my adult life an ensemble cast that I cared about more. Both after watching their speeches at the Emmys, yep. both between who the humans are, yep. but also who their characters are. I would like to go to that pub with all of the cast. And just crush beers. The pub on the show. On yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. With all of the cast, bit players and main characters. Including the guys who the bemoan three, the team. Yeah, fucking Wanka! Hilarious. And, They're hilarious. Yeah. I want all those guys, <laughs> the woman that owns the bar, the whole shebang. It's a mess. It's amazing. I think I have on my computer, I have multiple Ted Lasso stickers. And I'm a very curious person. I've always liked... It's what I like about cigars. It's what I like about beverages. I like to know as much as possible. In one of the shows, and this won't spoil it, Ted Lasso talks about all those guys that I kind of bullied me, none of them were curious. They were absolutely positive about what they knew about the world. Mm-hmm. He said, but what they missed out on is being curious. And if they'd been curious, they would have said, Ted... Did you ever play darts? Every Sunday. Mm-hmm. From the time I was 10 until I was 16. And I won't spoil it, but it's fucking amazing. That's the thing in life that the people that you think of that are the worst bullies to you are often the people that are the most Closed. not curious. They're closed. 
because they have they're sure of what the world looks like around them and as we look around our world which is horrifically divided the people that you see that are so sure are the least curious people that you know facts stop being those people like be curious it's a Ted fucking lasso bonus bonus oh yeah Nate mm-hmm. Pack Nate Pack Nate Pack Nate Pack I love you guys <laughs> I fucking love you too man we love you too my friend well, what what a fucking beautiful bonus that we could have gotten from from uh, earlier today when we thought we might not even be able to record to where we are and now. We pushed through. We were like, let's do it anyways. It's 82 degrees in Minneapolis it's still in beautiful. late September. Dare I say sloppy seconds? Oh. Yeah, buddy. Hey. It's only sloppy if you make it that right? way. Right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've loved being with you guys. Any chance I can come hang with my... Two best buddies, it's amazing. We don't need an excuse. Yeah. Nope. And I love that you guys are both, as human beings, so comfortable in talking about the tough stuff of life. That's a rare thing. We got to be. We try to be. Yeah, we try to have some vulnerability on this program. Sometimes Ooh. I feel like there's too much bravado, but that's me like overproducing. I don't want people to think that on this show, and this is another peek behind the curtain, I don't always want people to think that, like, oh, we're so cool. We've hung out with athletes and things like that but the the premise of the show is six shots six topics of conversation and we always start on the very surface level Mm -hmm. we're skimming the water we're laughing and joking we're telling stories about how cool we are and that we've been to castles in france and we've been to french laundry but eventually we get to the real the real Deep waters, the marrow, down in the murk, the sticky shit. Our yep. feet, yep, our feet are in the the seaweed, and yep. we're getting bit. And uh, you know, people can see who we are, and uh, I quite enjoy that. And I hope the listeners enjoy that as well. Obviously, they learn the most about the co-hosts on the show, and they learn a lot about our guests. And the whole the the real premise of the show is barroom conversations. You know, drinking with your friends, and we want. We want to be your friend. Kwame and I are both the type of people who uh, make friends no matter how old we are. We, we make friends anywhere. I had a friend recently tell me he might move to a new city and he doesn't know how I'll make friends. And I'm like, make one and then you'll make a bunch. Yep. If, you're, if you're willing and, and uh, yep. the, the spirit is willing, you, you make one friend and then it's, it spreads. It's like a, My wife and I a were diaspora of, of just like... In Chicago with you, Charles. Yeah. And we ate at a bar across the street from our Airbnb because we're like, you know what? Kind of like a fucking neighborhood. And I don't really want to drive a bunch of places to go get some really good food. Just want to be part of the neighborhood. So we went, let's just go right across the street. And we made a really good friend as the only people in the bar mm-hmm. with this server behind the bar and found out more about her life than I would have ever expected. All because we asked a couple questions. And all that people are looking for is for you to ask a question and then seem like you're ready for the answer. Just be open. And then if you are, they will share with you their entire fucking life story. All you have to do is be open for it. 
you must both be willing because sometimes, yep. you know, yeah, if they're yeah. willing, then you, re- yep. you retract. And, and if they're okay. not, you kind of take it back and you just eat your food and you have your drink That's and right. you go about your business. Yep. But if they're open, I'm committed regardless of how much I feel I need to have space and quiet. If someone's willing to share with me their life and their story and maybe a little bit of their deep, dark secrets – Regardless of any type of faith background, I think those are holy moments that you get with a human being that's willing to share with you their vulnerable shit. I will always feel fortunate to be able to be a part of that. Some people want to make more friends and don't know how. Some people want to make more friends and do know how. I would slot myself and I would comfortably slot Quam into the category of wants to make friends and knows how. And so I really uh, pride myself personally on my capability of making friends with people who maybe like my friend who said, if he moves to a city, he won't know how to make friends. I'd like to think someone in whatever town he moves to might, he might encounter someone who's a lot like me and would be like, Hey man, what are you drinking? Yeah. What's your name? Where are you from? And then next thing you know, boom, new friend. But like I, it's a it's a quality in myself that I, I I don't like to have a lot of bravado about the qualities that uh, I maintain as a human being. But one of my favorite things about myself is that I I will never stop making friends. Nope. I don't care how old yep. I am. I don't care where I am. Another city, you might never see them again. Uh, I I love to get to know people, and like I like a like a clamshell want to cling to the value of whatever experience I had with that individual. Yeah. And then know that like my friend Bill that I met in Aro in Rioja, Spain on our honeymoon. And we had a spectacular two days with him. Yes. Like I I'm friends with, he doesn't have Facebook. I'm friends with his wife and someday I will see Bill again. And if I don't, I'll still look back at our photos from our honeymoon and say, my buddy, Bill, my yep. good buddy, Bill. I had one of those in Crete. Yeah. Brian from Atlanta. That's right. Yeah. And we got shit-faced hammered with that's, Brian that's a good way from to make Atlanta. A you don't have to, but it's... And I would I would recognize an Brian <laughs> anywhere. And I won't trade those moments for anything. Nope. It's a beautiful thing just being open to receiving love and giving love. And if you don't care about a payback in either direction, it's a pretty amazing thing. Yep. You know, the, the more that I travel and the more that I cruise around, whether that's locally or around the country or, or internationally, all anybody wants, if they're open to it, is for somebody else to just be open and you figure it out. And if you look at like when Jenny and I travel and we go visit people, we go say, hi, it's, it's all the same shit. It's all because somebody was open, we were open or I was open and then you made a friendship and we don't have to be, every friend doesn't have to be your best friend. No. But we're still a friend. F- yep. And that's one of the reasons why I will always slightly defend social media mm-hmm. because it allows me to keep in contact with a bunch of people that I wouldn't have been able to I'm with you. be around back then. But yeah, now, certainly. now we can, and we can poke in every now and then and just say, Hey, how the hell are you, man? Yep. I'm, <laughs> we still can't go to Europe, but know that when I get there, I'm coming to see you as soon as I get uh-huh. off the fucking plane. Uh-huh. And, I think that that is a really beautiful thing to hear from somebody else because yep. I've been gifted the same message. Yep. Hey, 
I haven't seen you in eight years in person, but when I'm in Minnesota, I would love if we could just have a beer. Yep. And we don't have to be best friends. We don't have to go get medals made and then do the the broken edge and then we each wear our necklace. Like you can just be like, Ooh, that sounds fun though. I really oh. appreciate you as a human. And I can it be I the like heart that. necklace? That's what I'm saying. It's gotta yeah. be right. It's the best be. friends, yeah. best friends. Yep. Yeah. Forever. For- Forever. Oh, uh, and also <laughs> the number I, four. I, I, I want to also take this moment because we always debrief and we say like, like and subscribe and all that stuff, which, you know, we, we love that as well. I, I want to say if you see us in the wild, and I think I'm speaking for both of us, but if you see us in the wild, we're at the bar and you, you recognize one of us, even though you don't see us a lot other than sometimes on the Instagram. And we're at meteor bar or grumpies or anywhere else out in public we're not william shatner if you come up to me and you say yo i love the podcast i if i am able to do so i would love to have a beverage with you 100 and to talk with you and, agree more. and have a conversation yep it's happened many times it happened at a barbecue recently yep. Kwame invited me to or a couple people like don't know me but like they wanted to meet me like yep. I, I love it it's great like i'm all about making new friends and if you all see if you see me in the wild come say what's up yep. let's do a, let's do a shot of my lord baby damn right oh fuck right <laughs> uh can we uh, give your pluggables, Mr. Beck? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Boveda underscore Nate. B-O-V-E-D-A underscore N-A-T-E. Facebook is Nathan Beck. Love if you want to follow Nate Dogs, you can still follow Nate Dogs. Nate underscore Dogs. N-A-T-E underscore Dogs. Uh, would love to have you as a friend. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Beauty. Charles? It came from the sea on Instagram. Holler. Uh, and I'm all things Kwamunist, Q-U-A-M-M-U-N-I-S-T. Uh, honestly, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being a part of this. What a beautiful blessing this extra bonus episode was. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, we love you guys so much. And again, uh, take care, everybody around you. Be kind and be patient wherever you're going. Literally everything that you are looking for to consume is taking longer and is more expensive than it used to be. So just understand that everybody's trying to figure this shit out. Uh, but until then, love everybody. We love you. Be and we'll kind. talk to you soon. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers.